2: Good morning, everybody.
3: Saturday morning in the Delaware Valley, along with Mike Sealski. I am Glenn Mack now as we head to the final regular season game of the Eagle season tomorrow. And Mike, I will tell you right now, you see this hand how calm it is? <laughs> now look at this one.
4: You are shaking like a leaf, my uh, friend.
3: Well, uh, you know, we did this last week. On a scale of 1 to 10, what was your worry level? I think that was about a 3.5. You might have been a little bit lower.
4: I was at 1 or a 1.5.
3: Yeah, well, I'm telling you right now, I'm about a... And th- this is not related to tomorrow's game, per mm-hmm. se, which the Eagles should win handily. But for where I stand right now, I'm about a 6, pal.
4: Yeah, I'm at a 4 or 5, I'd say. Somewhere in that in that okay. range. And I mean, that's a... That's a jump of what, four or five mm-hmm. times what I was. Uh, I don't think you can, you couldn't watch what happened against the Saints last week and come away with any other feeling.
3: No, and I know. Uh, and listen, everybody's got their own opinion, and I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong with their opinion. But if everybody says, like, ah, that's fine, it's well, let's go through it here. All right. By the way, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Love to talk to you today. For the moment, I want to put the quarterback aside. Okay. It's clearly the big issue, but sure. I want to kind of look with you as to whether this is a bump in the road or something more. Okay. And so I'll start with this. Two teams, uh, inferior teams, I'm talking about the Saints and Washington, not mm-hmm. the Cowboys game, but Washington, have used the same game plan on offense to beat the Eagles, which is run the ball three, four yards at a clip, squeeze out the clock. Um, they know they don't have the offense to win the game if it's a high-scoring game, mm-hmm. so hold on to the ball. And I worry that that maybe, and I'm going to get to the pass defense in a moment, but just in terms of the run defense, has that exposed a weakness in the Eagles, a way to beat this team? Has this set a model for the playoffs? I think it could with a better
4: team, yes. I think this has happened throughout the season. If you go, you're right... Certainly about the Saints game on Sunday where they, you know, 15 play, 75-yard drive. The Eagles offense is just sitting on the sideline while their defense is on the field for the better part of the entire first quarter. I think that the offense finally got on the field with, what, six minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, And Washington did exactly the same thing. And on the one hand, you can say, well, the the defense only gave up 13 points against the Saints, but it's more a matter of timing and Mm -hmm. tone setting. The, the fact that this keeps happening on the first possession or early in a game, it just it gets the game off to a bad start. And I know you don't want to go to a quarterback, the quarterback situation, but certainly against the Saints, it put more pressure on the backup to try yeah, to no doubt. make up for the deficit that the defense had helped create.
3: No doubt. Okay, so off of that, I worry about Jonathan Gannon's stubbornness with playing the zone defense uh, pass defense and and the stats. Dak uh, Prescott was 24 for 24? Apparently. Against the zone? Yes. Andy Dalton completed his... F- Andy Dalton! Andy Dalton! Andy Dalton completed his first 14 passes last week, which raises an either-or. Is it that Gannon is really stubborn, or is it that Gannon, for good reason, cannot trust Josiah Scott and Reed Blankenship in coverage? I think... Not, it, I don't think either's a good answer. I, I didn't know. Neither
4: is a good answer. I think the injuries in the secondary are kind of taking Gannon where he's inclined to go anyway, if that makes sense. They're not as good back there without Avante Maddox and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And so he's aware of that, and he's going to try to take pressure off of Josiah Scott and whoever else has to be back there. And so more zone. Um Look, they're generating pass pressure. It's just putting a lot of pressure on their pass pressure players, <laughs> try saying that five times fast, um, to, to get to the quarterback. Because if they don't get there, guys like Andy Dalton and back Prescott are picking them apart.
3: Yep. Okay. Yes. And by then, you're right. The defensive line has been spectacular, and we'll talk about those guys because they've been great. The secondary overall seems a little problematic mm-hmm. to me. We talked so long earlier in the season how well Slay is playing and Bradbury were playing, and they were. Not lately. That's right. Not, not late, so late. much right now. now. Bradbury
4: got burned for that long uh, pass in the first half Sunday on a double move. Uh, they, they have not been as good as they were early in the season.
3: And by the way, again, this goes back to the coach. I don't. I'm, and this maybe this refers to me losing confidence. The coach, C.D. Lamb killed your backups mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Was there a point in that game where it's like, you know, Slay, you cover this guy for a while. He's their best player. Go cover him. Yeah, there should
4: have been. There should have been. I mean, that's why you're paying Slay all that money. He's yeah. your number one guy.
3: All right. Um, yeah, yeah Next I'm point. with you. Um, missing Lane Johnson, at least last Sunday, was worse than I expected. Jack Driscoll at right tackle was really problematic. Again, part of that to me is on Shane Steichen. And Nick, for seeming to think they could run the same offense with Gardner Minshew that they run with Jalen Hurts, the game plan made no sense. But you got killed at right what was it, three sacks in yes. the first yeah. eight and, plays? And,
4: and it exposes the advantages that players— that, that standout players can create for an offense or a defense. The Eagles, when Lane Johnson is healthy, have the luxury of not having to help him at all. Leave him on an island, he will block Von Miller, he will block Micah Parsons, he will take care of whoever needs to be taken care of, and we can deploy the other uh, people on the line in any way we choose. You can't do that with Jack Driscoll. And to your point about the coaches, uh, they should have been running the ball more frequently than they did, uh-huh. that would have taken much of the pressure All off. Of this so,
3: dressing. goes to the next point which is, how badly is Miles Sanders hurt? Now, I know they took him off of the injury report yesterday, which was nice to see He had just 12 carries and no catches in a game where it did. Made sense mm-hmm. to ride him Do I need to worry moving ahead about Miles Sanders' injury? No, I don't think you need to worry about the
4: injury as much as I think you need to worry about how the coaching staff uses him and the other running backs. I don't want to sound like, well, I mean, I don't mind sounding like Ray Ray. Dittinger who would would pound the drum for running the ball. Um, But there's a happy medium there. And in a situation like the one they had last week where you have a backup at right tackle and you have a backup quarterback and maybe your lead running back is banged up a little bit, you can go one of two ways. You can try to throw the ball, right out of the chute the way they did and go three and out three and out three and out three and out or you can say to yourself you know what we also have boston scott and we also have kenny gainwell who neither of whom is walter payton but are both competent running backs and we can simplify things and we can say you know what the saints are 23rd in the nfl against the run and let's just take what they are liable to give us and i i do think that I hope I'm not painting with too broad a brush here, but I do think that the kind of coaches that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman over time have hired, whether we're talking about Andy Reid or Doug Peterson or Mm -hmm. Chip Kelly or now Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen, tend to overthink situations like this. They're reluctant to just go to, to, to say to themselves, you know, the shortest distance between two points is run the ball for a while because we just need to do that.
5: Yeah,
3: okay. Yeah. yeah, and I think the offense emphasized the Saints of the strength, which was uh, the—I'm the, sorry—the strength of the Saints, mm-hmm. which was their pass defense. Yeah. And uh, I think they didn't expect uh, what's his name—the cornerback who who had the pick six, Lattimore. Lattimore, yeah, who was on the injured list for mm-hmm. most. They didn't of the expect week him to play. Yeah, and then he played, and then he was great, and that yeah. really hurt him.
4: And, and there's some. There is something. I will say this kind of in their defense. There is something to the idea that you know what. The two most talented players on our offense, without Jalen Hurts, are A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Let's just throw the ball to them and let them make plays. I mean, that's how they scored the one touchdown they scored in the game. Was A.J. Brown?
3: <coughs> Excuse me.
4: Yep. Making a great play.
3: Okay, I'll let you get uh, get your breath there, and that's fine. So I'm sorry about that. That's okay. I get choked up sometimes when I talk about the Eagles. <laughs> I understand. Um, and so. Here comes Jalen Hurts. Superman is coming out of the phone booth.
4: Cue the John Williams
3: music. Cue, yes, cue the great music. Uh, he They've not officially said he's going to play, but I think we all agree and know he's going to play. And so my question for you and for the listeners today, 215-592-9494. Will Jalen Hurts solve everything that is wrong? The Eagles are 13-1 this season when Hurts is in the lineup. They're 0-2 when he doesn't play. He's covered up a lot of mistakes this year by other people. He's been great, if healthy. Jalen Hurts comes back. Mike, as Inspector Clouseau would say, our problems are solved.
4: The evidence that suggests bad yeah. print. <laughs>
3: that was very good. Yeah.
4: Um, the evidence suggests they will be. I mean, you met you said it, Glenn. Thirteen and one with him, and the one game that they lost was not on him. I mean, that was a three-four turnover game by the offense that I don't think he was responsible for. I'm not sure if he was responsible for one of the any of the turnovers. I'd have to go back and look. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the Washington game, that was the Quez Watkins fumbles while he's in the clear, that was Dallas Goddard fumbles when his face is almost ripped off. Uh, that was not a game that you put on Jalen Hurts in any regard. And so, yeah, if he's back and he's healthy, I do think everybody's going to go, Ooh, okay, now now all is right with the world again. Um, because he's been that good, and as these last two games have shown, and we'll get into this later, he's that essential he, well, to their yeah. offense. He just is. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, I think the game against Dallas you got away with kind of like, okay, well, Minshew did throw those interceptions, but hey, you did score a lot of points. We should be okay in the short run. They were supposed to beat the Saints with Minshew, for yeah, God's sakes. of course. And if they had beaten the Saints with Minshew, then you wouldn't have to worry about Hurts playing this week against the Giants. Now, he has to come back. He has to be a hero. I know it's going to be the Giants' backups. Presumably it will be easy, but we've learned that presumably doesn't always work out that way, and so he has to play, and Jalen Hurts... Not as much tomorrow, but moving ahead, he's got to be all that. And we have learned that he—I don't want to get into the whole debate as the MVP, but we've learned he's that valuable to this team right now. Yeah,
4: it is. he is. And one of the interesting things uh, that Shane Steichen and also Dallas Goddard said this week was the idea—talking about the idea of the offense not getting into a rhythm, right? They couldn't get into a rhythm against the Saints. Well, go back and, and look at some of the situations that have come up this season when Hurts was in a quarterback— it's easy to look at that and say, well, the offense was in a rhythm because it had Jalen Hurts. Well, why was it in a rhythm? It's because often the offense faces third and 10 and Hurts runs for 11 yards. Yep. Or third and five and he runs for six.
3: Or third and five and they're so concerned that he's going to run for six that they back play off up. Right. And, and, and he's, he's got an easy completion. Yep. Or
4: fourth and one, he runs the quarterback draw and because he's so strong, he gets the first
3: down. Yeah, Minshew looked really bad. Not good. <laughs> Not good,
4: and that's that goes to your point about how they called plays
3: as if Jalen Hurts were still in the game yeah, when he was not. Yeah, quarterback sneak. I mean, you know, you should be able to make quarterback sneak, and Minshew should have made it. But that's yeah, yeah, that does show that. Well, we'll see. Let me take a call. We have sure. a lot more on this, Mike. Uh, excuse me, John in Mannyunk. You're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, John. Looking forward to a. Hey, Glenn. How you doing, buddy? Great, John. Looking forward to a new year of drinking uh, ice-cold beers at the Conchhock
6: and
5: Brewing Company there.
3: (laughs) I appreciate that very much. By the way, we have a new version. We did the Merrill and Mike beer. We have a new version called Mike and Merrill coming out. We really get creative. That's going to be a nice, like, a 5.6% little uh, tailgate IPA for the playoffs. Did did you pay
4: John to do the marketing No, but I
3: appreciate John immensely, and when I see him, I'll buy him a drink. There you go. Yeah, next time I'm going to ask for that one. Thanks. Hey, a couple uh, 2.20 Eagles here
6: real quick— so I know a lot of people aren't worried. Everyone's like worried about the Cowboys, but uh, are you guys getting a little scared or worried about like we know Brady's in, he kind of backed in in that weak division, and if uh, if F. Rogers gets in, do you think their experience could be? a I mean,
3: they're definitely uh, they could wake up for the playoffs. I think it, I think it's a really good question, and again, uh-huh. I do not want to spread fear and panic, <laughs> but but mm-hmm. we do agree that the challenge for the Eagles is beating excellent quarterbacks, yes. right? Okay. Absolutely. you beat Rodgers this year because you put up a ton of points. And he didn't play the second half. That's right. He had the 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 thumb. It was the mm-hmm. thumb, right? Yes. Yeah. He's been pretty good since then. He's been really good since Haven't then. Haven't seen Brady since the playoffs last year.
4: He was apparently really good last week.
3: Yeah. Uh so do I have uh, you know worries is a strong word, but um I'll put it this way. I don't think either of those is going to be a breeze. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: I, I I look at it this way, John. Um I, I'm I agree with Glenn that they're not going. It wouldn't be a breeze to face either of those teams. I do think that the Cowboys present a particularly challenging matchup for the Eagles, just because of the the team they are uh, and kind of the way they're constructed and their strengths kind of lining up with the Eagles' weaknesses. Uh, and San Francisco might be up and down. Although
3: I'll tell you what, hey John, thanks so much, pal. Yeah, thanks. We'll for talk to bye you bye. soon. Bye bye. I'd love to get the Cowboys here in the playoffs. Yeah. I would love I, – I, maybe Maybe this is just my own uh, – Dislike for the Cowboys? Uh, I was going to say biases and, and short-sightedness, but I think you get the Cowboys back here for game three of that set this year. And with the crowd and the Eagles and pumped – I think the Eagles would crush them. I think they'll put up a lot of points. I'll put it that way. Cowboys will. That's You know what? Eagles are going to – that would be like a 38-31 Eagles win. I would be
4: hesitant to say that they would crush them. I really would. Well, um, I mean
3: 7 points, probably I mean, look, isn't a crush, but I think the I think they'll, they'll score a lot of points on them and win the game. They they
4: struggled defensively obviously against them uh 2 weeks mm-hmm. ago. You go back to that first game where the Cowboys didn't have Dak, uh the Eagles get out to a big lead, they allow the Cowboys to kind of come back, you know, but it's Cooper Rush, it's not Dak Prescott and I'm I like Dak Prescott and he would he would scare me in that situation that team well, would scare 24 me
3: 24 for 24 you know said yeah, something but I, no, I i think Eagles can beat the Cowboys here I'm, i'd be confident in that oh they can but no I'd, no i yeah. think they would well, I, again yeah. they, they got to beat the giants first they right. lost to the saints so <laughs> i spent the first 15 minutes talking about all these problems so i don't i don't mean to just uh, gloss over it and the other thing is and maybe you'll think i'm crazy i think i'd rather play against Brock Purdy and the Niners in the playoffs that I, I Rodgers and Brady man I don't I don't want to see those guys
4: I, I don't think they as Rodgers has been better the last few weeks I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the same Aaron Rodgers I don't think Tom Brady is the same Tom Brady Those teams would not those two teams would not scare me more than the Cowboys or the 49ers
3: mm-hmm. even with Brock mm-hmm. Purdy at quarterback Okay you know the team I think we all agree it would be the best matchup?
4: The Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, it crushed yeah.
3: What was that, 31-7 to last time? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 38-7. to 38-7. to I don't want to leave out that last touchdown. <laughs> that was all important. Are we talking about the NFC Championship game or Week 2 this season? No, I was talking about the NFC Championship okay. game. Yeah, uh, as was I. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because they did crush them earlier this season, too. Greatest game I've gone to ever in Lincoln Financial Field. I, I, I could Do imagine. we agree? Yeah.
4: The, uh, the moment that Patrick Robinson yeah.
3: got into the end zone, that's yeah. as loud as that building has ever been. Yeah, it changed the momentum, man. Yep. Vikings yep. scored
4: first, mm-hmm.
3: then they get the ball again, they're kind of moving, Yep, you're thinking, oh no. And
4: Chris Long hits Case Keenum yeah. and
3: the ball flutters out of his hands, yep. and the rest is history. Uh, it was great after that, everything was great. All <laughs> right, that was fun. Hey, coming up on the show, uh, we are good, we got a lot we're going to uh, get into today. Certainly we're going to talk about the case of uh, Damar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills, his injury, has. His seemingly miraculous recovery, which has been just great, and what that means for the league, rescheduling of games, and the mindset of a lot of people. We're going to get the view from New York on tomorrow's game with Newsday NFL writer Tom Rock. We're going to tell you what we're watching, Uh, but it's really all about kickoff tomorrow, 425 p.m., and Jalen Hurts comes back. Is everything going to be okay because Jalen Hurts is coming back. What do you think? 215-592-9494. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Now on 94WIP. Hey, if the cold weather has you thinking it's finally time to replace those old drafty windows and doors, there is no better time to make your home more energy efficient while taking advantage of Guida's big winter sales event. the great people at Guided Door and Window are extending their big winter sale through January by offering 40% off every window and door you buy. That's right. Receive 40% off each expertly installed energy-efficient replacement window. That also includes free high-performance low-E glass. And if you're in the need of a new door, you receive 40% off any door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Take advantage of Guided's interest-free financing or low-monthly payment plans to get your project started with no money out of pocket. Offers for a limited time only, so you got to act quickly. If your home needs new windows and doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one 877 go or visit them at goguida.com. That's go,
2: G-U-I-D-A dot com.
3: Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94, WIP. What do you think? Jalen Hurts comes back tomorrow. Are all the problems solved? What is your level of concern moving for? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling as confident as you were a couple weeks ago? Is it all going to come back? I'm a little nervous. I think they have played. They've, they've hit a certainly a speed bump or a pothole. I'm not sure. Is it a speed bump or a pothole they've hit? I, I think it's more than a pothole. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I Ditch. Mean-
4: Yeah, I think they need, uh, they're waiting for AAA to come with, uh, you know, some help.
3: All right, so how worried are you? That's what we want to know. All right, I'm worried about one thing, and one thing only, and that is the fact that there's a very good chance I owe you, (laughs) producer Kyle Quinn, and producer Dan Wilson. That's Buzz to you. Yeah, still don't understand how his name changed to Buzz all of a sudden, (laughs) but there you go, Uh, dinner. Uh, probably at Ralph's Restaurant, which is always a fun place to take people for dinner. Because we had a stupid football bet, which has certainly been dynamic this year. At one point, you were up 6-1, to one and I was ready to concede. I think I offered to like buy you a cheap dinner. Like, hey, oh, yeah. I'll take you to McDonald's for lunch. It, if It was going to be Chick-fil-A this after this yeah, show, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, but no, you you didn't do it. And I came back from down 6-1 to one to tie it up. The parameters of the bet are kind of simple, which is... I get a point every time the Eagles return a kickoff beyond the 40-yard line Mm -hmm. or any punt return that goes for more than 20 yards. Correct. They suddenly found the magic in this a few weeks ago. I, I,
4: I insist. I think that you contacted Michael Clay and Howie Roseman and that you stacked the deck against me once I get off to that start. And they turn their special teams around just so... You wouldn't have to pay for Well, dinner.
3: they put Boston Scott in all of a sudden, yeah. and Boston Scott was really good. You get a point for every muffed or fumbled punt, mm-hmm. which we had a few of early in the yes, year. Yes,
4: not so many lately.
3: And a point for any kickoff return that does not get back to the 20-yard line. Correct. That's it. It's pretty basic. I'm betting on the Eagles to return well. You're betting for them to not. As I said, I was down 6-1. It got back to 6-6, two weeks to go in the season momentum on my side
4: i was staggering i was wobbled
3: and, and then man. first kickoff of the third quarter last sunday here's what happened here's will lots to kick off and it it's high and this is not deep boston scott comes up and captures it at the three
7: out to the five the 10 15, there's a penalty flag and don't tell me this is coming back he only got up to the 18 tell me it's going to come back to the nine
8: really good coverage by oh, the saints
5: Receiving team number
9: fifty-eight. Half the distance to the goal. Philadelphia so so keeps the ball. First time.
3: Son, Kyron Johnson. So half the distance. You didn't even need the penalty. You won nope. before the penalty. Just insult
4: the injury for you, Glenn. I was I was like Rocky in Rocky Two. I wasn't going to switch and go back to Southpaw. You stick with with what got you there, and. I'm um, I'm throwing haymakers at Apollo Creed right
3: now. Yeah, so a stupid football bet that uh, actually got pretty interesting does remain interesting. Tomorrow is the last game. I'm going to be watching a lot of things. Jalen Hurts' performance. Maybe more than that, the return. return. I'm going to be writing
4: on deadline. I'm going to be writing on deadline, Glenn. I have to file a column the instant that game ends tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to be able to concentrate on what I'm writing because I will be so nervous and worked up about it. Yeah.
3: Well, the good news is Nick may be pulling some first stringers as the game goes on, but he's not going to be doing it with special teams. So, what happens? Like,
4: suppose. Boston Scott returns a kickoff for
5: yeah. a touchdown. Suppose yeah. those Double
4: Brit, points. Britton Covey breaks one for 45 yards. Yeah. Um, you know,
3: what happens? What is you happens. owe dinner?
4: Yeah. No, I know I owe dinner. It's just it would be, uh, it would be a sight to see one person jumping up and down in the
3: press box. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that actually happened, as as you know, and I think most listeners know. You're not allowed to cheer in the press box. Oh, not at all. No. You are not allowed to wear colors in the press box. Uh, A friend of ours one time um, when uh, his hometown team was playing one of our teams in a postseason game, I'm really trying to be as Mm
5: -hmm.
3: unrevealing as I can, came wearing a baseball cap of that team because it was his hometown team and was told, you have to take this off in the press box. Right? You can't do it. You just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, but there was one time Ray and I had the the stupid football bet and it was on um what's his name the Aussie punter the first Aussie punter oh um Sav yeah Sav and it was oh god it was such a stupid bet it was how <laughs> many how many punts i think of 60 yards or more Sav would have that season because i i'm thinking he's Ray guy and right. he wasn't No. and he was he was a guy he was not Ray guy <laughs> he wasn't the guy either that's <laughs> right and so uh, we're in the press box, and Ray's like six seats down from me, and Rocca boots one, and it goes, and it rolls, and it rolls, and it's like I start to get up, and and, and uh, Jeff Ash, who's the mm-hmm. press box, I with that punt by Sam Rocca, 59 oh. and a half yards. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And, yeah, then so Glenn, and then at that point, Glenn slumped back down into his chair, uh, a beaten man. I lost that bet, but there you go. All right, uh, there's, a, there's a big question I want to discuss about tomorrow and the Eagles moving forward this season, and I believe it's something that you and I share an opinion on. Yesterday or earlier this week, the Eagles coaches kind of hinted, well, you were you were around, so mm-hmm. I, I'll I'll pose it to you as a question because I think I got this right that they're going to try to be a little more careful with Jalen Hurts? Is that what's going on? They
4: are saying that they are. Uh, Shane Steichen uh, basically admitted as much. Jeff McLean asked him, uh, you know, are you going to have to adjust the play calling at all to accommodate the fact that Hurts isn't at 100%? And Steichen said, well, if he plays, yes. Um, But, and this is the part that I think you and I agree on, there is no indication from this entire season That they will do that or that they can or should do that because Hertz is the alpha and omega of this offense. And so if you take away something that he brings to the table, you're hampering the entire flow of the offensive unit. So I would be surprised if they
3: dialed back
4: tomorrow against
3: the Giants. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they may a little bit tomorrow against the Giants because it's the Giants' second stringers, mm-hmm. and you ought to be winning the game. And he is just back. However, moving forward into the playoffs, you can't dial it back. No, here's the here's one of the ugly realities of pro football. Um, and I and I know this is going to sound particularly crass in terms of what happened with Demar Hamlin, and I and I really don't want these two things to connect mm-hmm. because one is a life-threatening heart attack that that the guy had on the field. As rare as that is, and the other is basically the players' limbs. Right. The players are the equipment in pro football, yes. and I'm not. That is not to belittle the relationship between the players and the coaches who love their players and certainly hope their players stay healthy. But the bottom line impetus in pro football is to win. Yep. And with the Eagles, it's to win now. We went into the season. I went into this season thing like, you know, what they're going to be really competitive and they're going to make the playoffs and they got a shot, but. They're really built for the long run. Mm -hmm. They're not built for the long run. No. They're built for now. They have so many good players on one-year contracts or the final years of contracts or kind of moving to a later stage of their career. Brandon Graham's having a great year. I'm not betting on Brandon Graham's future. No. That for most of this year, and maybe even still now, they're the best team in the league you got to win now, and winning now means you got to do whatever it takes to win now, and that means using Jalen Hurts recklessly.
4: We're used to thinking of young star athletes in every sport, including the NFL and particularly a quarterback, as guys who are going to be around for a while, and therefore, oh, if it doesn't work out this year with Bryce Harper, it's okay, he's going to be here 13 years. The problem with that thinking in the NFL with respect to the quarterback position is that these guys don't make very much money when they're starting out in the league, and it's a salary cap league. So the fact that they don't make a lot of money allows a general manager like Howie Roseman to acquire a whole bunch more talent to put around him. So you get a situation like the Eagles have this season with Jalen Hurts, who's playing great and counting less than $2 million against the cap, you got to strike now because eventually one would think... You may have to pay him $30, $40, 5000000 million a year. And it becomes harder to build a great team around him. You got a great team right now. You take advantage of it. You wring every drop you can out of this kid. And if he's hurt, you know, this is
3: the NFL. You play when you're hurt. And it sounds really crass. It does. But it, it sounds is, terrible, but, but it's But it truth. really is true. You and I looked at this like a month ago, and I wish I had saved the numbers. But we looked at... The quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls or been to Super Bowls over the last, I don't remember, 10, 15 mm-hmm. years. I think it was you and I. Maybe yeah. I did it with Jody. It was you and I did it? I think it was, okay. yes. Um, and how many of those quarterbacks were on their first contracts, mm-hmm. right, and making rookie figures? And that's how you do it yeah. because you can build a team around them. You look at the teams that have veteran quarterbacks. You look at how Green Bay has had to scale back, how Tampa Bay has had to let guys go because – You're paying your quarterback and they're gonna you're paying your quarterback a fortune and they will be paying Jalen Hurts next year thirty five, forty, whatever. I mean, maybe the year after, but But, soon enough. Yeah, and he's gonna make that, and you're not gonna be able to bring in the Bradbury's and the Kaiser Whites and these guys that are really filling holes for you this year and doing it so well. And you're gonna have to make tough decisions. Boy, can we keep AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Right. I don't know. That's yeah. that's that's a lot of money and, to devote
4: to that position. And how many guys are out there, really, who are good enough to take whatever a team has and keep them at the level that the team was when that guy was on his rookie contract? How many Patrick Mahomes are there? How many Josh Allens are there? How many Rodgers and Bradys in their prime are there? These teams will sign these quarterbacks, to these contracts, and then they can't build uh, a better supporting cast around him and... You're kind of stuck, but what do you do? Do you let do you let the quarterback walk away
3: without no. paying him? No, because the, one of the things that is very apparent is it's it's extremely difficult to win in the NFL without a top tier quarterback
5: mm.
4: consistently. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe the all Niners that, get there this year on right. the defense, although maybe that kid is really all that too. the The
4: other factor too is that, and this is the part that doesn't get talked about on shows like this, because it's so game-centric and football-centric is that these franchises look at quarterbacks as the faces of their franchises. Mm-hmm. These owners want Tom Brady because he's good-looking and yeah. he's he has a great story and he's married, he was married to the supermodel, and they want these guys to be celebrities because it helps them make money.
3: Yeah, and by the way, Jalen Hurts doesn't have that public personality, but right. well, Jalen Hurts fits that bill. Absolutely he does. I mean, he is a admirable, good-looking, smart, well-spoken leader, He's he's a superhero man, yeah. and, and, and and he he fits the bill.
4: Yeah, and to tie this all together, uh, one of the reasons that I think Hertz needs to come back, and one of the reasons that he will help the Eagles so much when he does come back tomorrow, I think, is that he brings a measure of gravity and seriousness to
3: the team. Yeah, that I think they've kind of been lacking yeah, the last. Couple I do of too. Weeks. That's that's the leadership element. Yeah, yeah. You know, should he carry the ball seventeen times a game? Probably not. I don't think he's going to do it tomorrow. Is it going to be the plan moving forward? You bet it is. Is it going to jeopardize his health? Unfortunately, yes. you got to win now, and winning now involves Jalen Hurts doing Jalen Hurts magic.
4: I would have Jalen Hurts carry the ball in the first play from scrimmage tomorrow. Just to, just to plant the seed in the Giants' heads and everybody else around the league, I would have him carry the ball in the first play. Interesting.
3: 215 592 We'd love your thoughts on that. Coming up, we're going to talk about what really was amazingly the big story in the country this week. Well, other than Kevin McCarthy, I guess. But
4: <laughs> we're not going to politics. No,
3: God, no, no, we are not. But the story that that everybody, whether you're a sports fan or not, followed, which is that of DeMar Hamlin. Uh, fortunately, things are looking better. And an aspect of it where I, people are just getting this wrong. People are looking at it from the wrong perspective.
2: Mike Sielski, Glenn Macnow, 215-592-9494. We
3: don't take a lot of phone calls during the show often, but we got time for it today. And it's a little slow on the phone, so we invite you to call. All right, we want to talk about the issue, the um, the big issue of the week, which was uh, DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. I was watching that. I don't know if you were watching it live.
4: I was not. I was actually at okay. the Sixers game with friends.
3: I, right. I wasn't
4: even covering the game, and I didn't have my phone on me. Yeah,
3: well, that's good. I mean... Good for you in terms of living your life. Yeah, uh, I was watching the game, and it was one of the scariest things I ever saw. The good news now is that he's doing much better. He Facetime with Bill's players yesterday. Facetime with Miles Sanders yesterday, who's mm-hmm. his friend from childhood in Pittsburgh. Uh, the doctors say that he's regained uh, a lot of what they were they were worried about. Uh, do we have that cut? Um, Now, you know what? I'll play that later. When we have the team doctor, I'll have that. Because there's an interesting cut from one of the doctors. And by the way, the name to remember, uh, the hero in this thing is a guy named Denny Kellington, Mm -hmm. who is the Bills uh, trainer who performed CPR on Hamlin before he got to the hospital. And they said, like, he- He saved his life. He saved his life. Brought him back. He saved his life. So it became, as you know- a like there were three stories that led the news this week. I watched the news a lot. Okay, one was the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. One was the they caught the guy, the alleged killer in the Idaho, Idaho case. Yes. And the third was this. Mm-hmm. And I had some people who were critics of the thing saying, like, you know, people die at their job every day. Why is this like a national story? Um, I think it's. I'm going to put it on the T for you. Mm-hmm. To hit it 300 yards, but I will ask you, why did
4: this resonate with so many people? Because football has become the closest thing to a national religion or national connective tissue that we have. The NFL took away Sundays, Sunday mornings from church. It took away Sunday evenings from 60 Minutes. It's become the thing, as much as anything else, I think, that unites millions of people in this country and millions of people were watching that game uh and saw what happened to damar hamlin they were able to connect about it on social media i mean i don't know about you glenn my entire twitter feed my entire facebook feed became forums for people to weigh in or emote about what they had seen and what had happened to this young man and i think in today's day and age of the 21st century and media and our culture this kind of incident uh Brings people together, I guess, is the way you'd phrase it, uh, in a way that very few events do anymore.
3: Uh, all of the above, and it brings out the best in people. Yes. It, it allows people the opportunity to have the best come out. Like, okay, So I'll mention the two other stories, right? Mm-hmm. So one was, again, the House of Representative That brings out the divisiveness in Sure, people, of course. Right? It just brings out the worst in people. Mm-hmm. I hate this side. I hate that side. Uh, the killing in Idaho is, I mean... It's a shame and it's a terrible thing, and there's not really much that people can say. No, and
4: it's terrifying.
3: Right, and it's terrifying. This is the opportunity for people to commiserate, to Mm -hmm. root for the kid. Some people say they pray about it. I donated to the charity. They, they, Jeez, they've gotten over $8 million. He had a little GoFundMe to raise uh, money for toys for kids. I forget if it was Buffalo or Pittsburgh or both, but Mm -hmm. whatever. And his goal was $2,500 and he's now over $8 million because the whole country is, hey, what can I do to show support?
4: And the other dynamic too, Glenn, is that this this happened without apparent blame. It just happened. It it wasn't as if he was the victim of a dirty hit. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as if it happened in the course of a particularly violent moment, a particularly violent game. There was nowhere to, to say... It's this person's fault and he's bad. And this is the reason this happened.
3: Agreed. Um, and one other thing, and then I do want to get to a couple calls here. There is a narrative that came out this week that, oh, man, football. Hmm. I don't know if I can watch football. Look at this. Football is a bad thing. Football. This has this is not at all about football.
4: No, it, it, it really is The Wall Street Journal did a terrific story this week where they talked to several doctors who deal with the condition that apparently uh, Hamlin had, which is the, the technical term for it is commodio cordis, which is basically uh, you experience trauma to your chest and the heart, and it affects the electrical system of your body. And one of the things this, this article pointed out is there's a window where if you get hit in the heart, this will happen to you. That window is about 30 milliseconds, I mean, you're literally talking about getting hit by a lightning bolt to have this happen. There have been 24,000 guys who have played in the NFL. This has never happened before, this particular sort of incident. You know, there was a player who died in a game, but it was a different set of circumstances than this. And so I think the hand-wringing over football and its violence um, did get a little too much over the course of the week. I think most people who follow the sport now have that baked into what they bring to the table when they when they sit down and watch a Yeah, I think game.
3: the people who who said or wrote, how can we ever watch football again, are not people who watch football.
4: Not very much anyway, yeah. yeah.
3: Um, boy, there's nobody who could call in who would be more relevant at this time than our friend Geary. I think you might have talked to him the last couple of weeks. Geary, a uh, regular caller, mm-hmm. is a guy who was a ref in a college game and had a heart attack on the field. Geary, I'm curious how you felt seeing this DeMar Hamlin thing. Well, uh, uh, let me bring it to Monday
9: night. Um, I'm, I'm watching it uh, in my house and watching the game, and all of a sudden this happens. I said, wow. And not even five minutes went by. And Tim Neal, who was the head trainer, uh, at Syracuse at the time, who saved my life, called me, and he said, "Are you okay?" I said, "I'm fine. Uh, I'm fine." You know, um, I said, more so, my daughter Jennifer, and um, and my son uh, had more more uh, of a uh, more of a uh, deja vu type of thing uh, for them.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh,
9: because they they went through it. They're watching me.
3: Yeah, they viewed it. You know, yeah, you lived yeah. it, right?
9: yeah and uh but then 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 uh tim also you brought up that mr killington the you know denny killington yes well believe it or not he was a student of tim's oh so wow
4: huh he,
9: is isn't that crazy and yeah. he, he he taught uh, with uh, with my um uh, my doc you know my my situation uh he he, he knew knew about it and uh, that's, uh, and tim always taught taught about uh, AEDs and and stuff like that but w- what a crazy you know what a crazy that's a uh,
5: remarkable set
4: of circumstances
3: connection.
2: yeah connection,
5: you know?
3: the the work done um, i mean by by all accounts the work done on the field that quickly in you know pressure filled potential panic situation right by those guys was remarkable
9: yeah it was and and it was just like Ed, it brought back memories from what my kids because they said, "Dad, it, it actually happened the same way." I mean, I mean, they they got that AD out, and which you know, Glenn, uh, we spoke to them a lot of times, and that was the very first time they've ever had it on the field,
5: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
9: and um, but and through a, a donation from Don Mc, McNabb, Mcnab, uh, which is even which even stranger, you know what I'm saying? But yep. Donovan made a contribution. Yep. And they bought defibrillators, so it was just like, wow, this is like, uh, and I got uh, two two uh, TV station call and radio yeah. station. What happened to you was was,
3: was remarkable. Again, you were reffing a game, had a heart attack during the game on TV, uh, and uh, and here you are. That was how many years ago now?
9: 20, it'll be twenty two in uh, September.
3: Oh, God wow. bless you. That's Doing amazing. all right, pal. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, Gary. Thank you so much for calling. Dave.
9: Hey, Mike. Thank you. You ha- you guys have a great day. Always Bye. a
3: pleasure. You too. Thanks. Um, ah, oh, Lou. Uh, one of my favorite callers, Lou from Mount Laurel was next. He hung up. Lou, call back. I got to get you in here. Um, you wrote a piece this week about mm-hmm. the only player to on in the history of the NFL to die on the field during a yeah. game, a wide receiver, Chuck Hughes uh, of the Detroit Lions, had played a little bit for the Eagles. Tell us a little bit about that circumstance. So.
4: Hughes actually was an Eagles draft pick. He was a fourth round pick uh, out of UTEP. He had been a terrific receiver there, uh, and he spent a few years with the team with the Eagles. Three years couldn't get on the field very much. They had a couple of really good receivers, and Ben Hawkins and Harold Jackson at the time. Ooh. So they trade him to uh, loved
3: Harold Jackson.
4: Yeah, they trade him to the Lions. He gets a little more playing time there. And on October twenty fourth, nineteen seventy one, the Lions are playing the Bills at Tiger Stadium in Detroit. The Lions are driving, trying to take the lead. They're down 28-23. And Hughes, I think, had just caught a pass the play or two before. And he's trotting back to the huddle, and he just falls. Uh, He's got a blood clot in one of his arteries, and he's pronounced dead later that day. Uh, From what I understand, the, the person on the field who signaled to officials that this was really serious, because initially, players on the Bears thought that Hughes was faking an injury to try to stop the clock. And the person on the field who pointed out that he wasn't was Dick Butkus.
3: This yeah. was really serious. Yeah. I, by the way, uh, when we were talking about this last night, I'm not going to play it on the air because it's long and it's doesn't add much to the conversation, but what would be interesting for you is I found the audio of that game mm. uh, where the announcers are speculating, like, what happened? He's down. He's not yeah. moving. They're doing CPR. They're doing mouth-to-mouth. Yep. And so on. It's, listen... Knock on wood, it's amazing and astounding Mm -hmm. that they've been playing this sport for more than 100 years. It is a violent sport. It is a sport beyond violent that involves all running and so on. And we've only had that one.
4: You know, it's interesting, Glenn. One of the other dynamics that played out in the aftermath of what happened with Hamlin was kind of the the uniform belief that the Bills and the Bengals should not continue the game, right? They they can't finish the game. Yeah, we're
3: going to talk about that coming up.
4: So... Three or four years ago, I did a story about a high, a high school football referee in Delaware who died of a heart attack during a game in 2016, and they finished the game that night. He he fell to the ground after a play. The ambulance took him off the field, and they continued playing the game. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if in, at any level of football, could you do that well,
3: now? Right. in this one in Detroit, they did.
4: Yeah. Yeah, they finished the game in Detroit in 1971.
3: Yeah, which, which is I, – I thought in Buffalo they made the right call. Again, we'll talk about that. Or, I mean, excuse me, in Cincinnati they made the right call. Last thing about this, uh, cheers and salute Vincent Louis Basile. Do you know who he is? I do not. He is an ER doc who was dressed in full mummer's outfit, who was at the link mm. oh, yes, on New Year's yes. Day. Yep administered CPR to somebody in the upper level who Mm -hmm. had a heart attack and saved his life. Yep. Yeah, that's right. I did see that story. If you know Vince, I'd love to hear from him. I don't know if he's talked to other shows or not.
11: I actually did hear something from him, and he, uh, the ER doctor, said that the guy's first question when he woke up was, what's the score of the game?
3: Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Hey Vincent, if you're out there, if anybody knows Vincent, we're here till one. We would love to hear from you. I've great, great work by you, yeah. by the way. Well, that apparently was Demar Hamlin's
4: first thing he said yesterday. Was did we win yep. the game?
3: Yep. And the doctor said, no, <laughs> no. He said he said you won <laughs> you, the game. One again. Life. Yep. Yeah. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mac. Now your call is coming up
2: on ninety four WIP. I want to Along with Mike sealski
3: I'm Glenn Mack Now Saturday morning, 94. WIP Eagles against the New York Giants tomorrow. 425. Eagles need to win in order to get the one seed in the playoffs. Well, let's see what people think. Um, I'm going to go to uh, I'm going to go to Joe first. Okay. He's going to the game tomorrow. Joe, what are you thinking?
4: Hey, how you doing, guys?
12: All right, I'm hey thinking, Joe.
3: I'm thinking for a big win.
4: Why are you so confident?
12: Well, I'll tell you why, because uh, the only two games they lost at home, I'm a season ticket holder, Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't at, I've been at every other big game, and I'm bringing my youngest son, well, I'm bringing both my sons, but my youngest son, Matthew, is our good luck charm for the Eagles, he's a huge fan, especially for the defense, and uh, what do you think, Matthew, he's thinking 35 to 10 Eagles?
3: 35 to 10. Wow. Okay. Well, we would, we would we would, all be delighted with that. I've kind of done the matchups and the game plans. I don't know that that's exactly going to be the thing that, that swings we, it. But we listen. did
4: not take the Good Joe and, and Matthew factor into
3: consideration. Hey, guess who we have on the line? First of all, Cindy, hang in because we want to get you. She's an ER nurse. But I think if we are told correctly, this gentleman, Vince. Vince, are you the guy we were talking about before?
12: Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm Vince uh, Mummer, doctor from the Bronx. Terrified that day. Wow. <laughs> Mummer
3: Mummer doctor. Mummer doctor. You don't great. get that one too often. No. But no, no,
12: that's a new thing for me. All
3: right, so first, tell us a little bit about you, your background, where you work, what's what's your story?
12: Yeah, so you know, I was uh, born in South Philly, uh, grew up in Washington Township in South Jersey. Um, you know, been a diehard Philadelphia sports fan my whole life. Um, yeah, I went to uh, undergrad at Penn State, um, med school at Rowan, South Jersey, and uh, i been living back in the city for like the last, about like six years.
3: And you're, uh, you're an ER doc where?
12: At Einstein in North Philadelphia. Nice. Wow. Very
3: nice. So you are at the game, New Year's Day. Uh, I guess you had come from the parade. Is that what's going on?
12: Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, you know, walking in the parade in the morning. Uh, I walk with, uh, Carol Leone, uh, Wench Brigade every year. Um, so I was like, yeah, we walked, we walked in three, i went down the whole broad street the Only, in the Only in
4: Philadelphia. Only in
5: Philadelphia. That's so yeah, yeah. again, Mike.
4: <laughs> yeah. So, so Vince, kind of, if you can, kind of put us there when this happens. What, what did you, when did you know it was happening? How did you get there to help? Uh, just kind of take us through it.
12: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, went out the game. I'm like pretty locked into the game and, uh, Kind of heard some commotion going on in like the upper upper part of the stands. Um, my girlfriend was actually with me at the time. Kind of started nudging me on the shoulder because uh, you know at first I'm ignoring. Him, I'm like ah, oh, there's like just some some drunk guy out there or something. <laughs> um, she starts nudging her shoulder like hey, I think someone's like kind of hurt up there. You should go check it out. And then uh, and I kind at that point it's kind of like walked up uh, to everyone up there and uh, like, security was all huddled around them. Took uh, like a lot of convincing to tell them that I was actually a doctor. Uh, you know, with like the like, I got like the pit vipers on, like you know, like pink and blue dress, like oh my got, like, god, a rainbow
4: face right on. They're like, they basically like, who the hell is this guy uh, walking up? <laughs> no,
3: seriously, I'm a doctor. So yeah, what was yeah, it? What it, what did what did you see? What had happened to this gentleman?
12: So I mean, you know, we we kind of walk up. Uh, you know, the the, the nurse Natalie had actually she beat me there. She was like the first one there. Um, we this guy's like you know, kind of his heels over his head, like laying down on like the Kind of all tangled in the guardrail. Um, you know, he's like laying down. We, we you know, got, got some security to kind of sit him up like a little more, like, you know, like I guess like parallel with the steps. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like where everything was. He was like kind of blue. He wasn't really breathing. He had like blood coming out of his mouth. Uh, not like, you know, not a great scene to walk up to.
3: No. So CPR, what'd you have to do?
12: Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, like, this point kind of like kicked into work mode a little bit. Um you know, me and Natalie kind of started, like, assessing him and going from there. Uh, we kind of determined he really didn't have like, a good pulse or any. So, you know, we told Security to get, like, paramedics over. Uh, she started doing CPR. She goes for, like, a minute and a half. Then I started doing CPR for a little bit. Thankfully, by, like, the end of it, he, like, kind of started getting the color back in his face and started waking up a little bit. Uh, you know, started breathing again and started looking a lot better.
4: Vince, I have to ask, and, and uh, uh, this is not a judgy kind of question, but had you— had any beers at the game, like if this had happened later in the game, you might've been, you know,
3: it was a festive day. Yeah. So. You know, yeah, I mean,
4: I, I could say,
12: you know, like the, the majority of that day as a mummer, as most people know, that happens at like the second street, uh, parade, you know, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if something like that might've happened, uh, you know, later in the day, I'd, I'd probably be in a considerably, uh, you know, worse condition. let's say, <laughs> but thankfully <laughs> at that point, you know, uh, I was, I was okay at that point.
3: Well, I got to you, I really admire you and I really admire what you do. Um thank you, Vince. Yeah, I thank I, you. I have a son who's an ER doc mm-hmm. and he's right. and he has told me he's a pediatric ER doc, but you know, has a training overall and he told me there was a situation last year where he was in a plane and they did the famous is there a doctor on the plane yeah. and and you guys you know, you can be in your in your mummer regalia and maybe have had a beer or two, but when it comes time to kick in, you kicked in and Good for you. And the nurse Natalie, do you know her last name perchance?
12: Uh you know, I, I, I let me see. I might have I, I don't know her last name. I certainly uh, want to
3: compliment family. her yeah, as well. As well. Yeah,
12: no, no. I mean she's like as much credit as yep. I do for this. You know, it's like, it was nice to have just another medical professional there.
3: Hey man. Uh to kinda of know what's going on. Good work by you and, and we salute you. Thank w- you. Well done, Vince. Right, thanks for calling. It's a hell of a story. Yeah, That's, thanks, guys. <laughs> yep. You bet.
4: Yeah. It's amazing. It's a, it's just truly amazing what people can do and will do when called upon yeah. like that, yep. just to help. All
3: right, let's talk to Cindy, who's an ER nurse. Hey, Cindy.
13: Hey, what's
3: up? Thanks for calling in.
13: Hey, no problem. Um, it was great listening to your show. I love the uh, the mummer's uh, physician. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um,
3: I love the fact, that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I love the point where, like, he goes up there and says, can I help? help. <laughs> and the people who are with this poor guy who killed over are thinking, like, you're wearing a wench dress and you have rainbow makeup on your face. Maybe go back to your seat.
4: But he was the oh, hero. Hey, hey, help comes in all forms, all shapes and Absolutely. sizes. Absolutely. Go it's, ahead, Cindy.
13: And you got to be at the right place in the right time.
4: That's exactly That's kinda right.
13: Kind of where my situation was. My husband and I, when they used to have Ralph's uh, restaurant in South Philly, up at the Sheraton King of Prussia, we were leaving there. This is probably about eight or nine years ago. And the side of the shirt, and there was a crowd of people. So I said to my husband, ah, let's see what's going on. And my husband's like, really? So we ran up there, and there was a guy collapsed on the ground. And um, I'm sorry. Hello? That's okay.
3: We're it's with okay. you. We got you. I okay. know. You got your car alarm on, yeah. thing going off. We understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Focus, yeah. focus. So, Stay with yeah, us. Yeah,
13: so this guy's collapsed on the ground. There's a crowd of people standing around him. No one's doing anything. I check for a pulse. There's no pulse. I start CPR. And I say, can somebody go grab an AED? Because it was a hotel. I just assumed they had one. Mm. They did. They brought it to me. I applied it and shocked them, defibrillated them, and got a pulse right back. So then he started breathing on his own. Well, by that time, EMS had gotten there, so they took over. So I called where I I work at Phoenixville Hospital, which is probably the closest mm-hmm. hospital to where he's at. So I called the ER because I work there. And I said, hey, listen, you might be getting a post-cardiac arrest. Well, by the time they got to the hospital, he was sitting up talking. Wow. Um, apparently looked great. So I went to see him up in the ICU the following day. And here his daughter worked, at the, worked there as well and was very pregnant with his first grandchild.
5: Oh, oh wow. my God.
13: And this was right, like, around Christmas time. And I said, you know what? The big man upstairs wants you to stick around and see that your grandchild and they were very nice and very appreciative. He says, Yeah, my chest is still a little sore. I said, Ooh, sorry about that.
3: Uh, you did wow. the right thing and, and that's, great job, that's a great Cindy. story. Thank you for Thank that. Thank
4: you for that, Cindy. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
13: I wonder how I, often I, something
4: I, like this happens uh, and we don't hear about it.
3: Uh, well, uh, more often than you think. One of the um, one of the interesting things of this, uh, and I know the inquirer did a piece on Bo Kimball earlier mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. Ray Dinger and I had, had Bo on for Tell Us Your Story, and of mm-hmm. course Bo was the teammate and best friend of Hank Gathers. Yeah who collapsed and died during that game. I think it was 1990. 1990. Yeah. Yep. And one of the things that Bo Kimball has gone on to do is make it his mission to have the equipment mm-hmm. as, as many places as he can, which is high school stadiums yep. and gyms and, you know, other places where people will gather where if somebody the, – the fortunate thing about what happened in Cincinnati is it happened during an NFL game because – all of that stuff, as you can imagine, is there. It's there at the state. It's
4: reviewed before every game. They take an hour to go over if-then scenarios. All of it. So, as you kind of said, Glenn, if that's going to happen, there are a few better places to have it happen than right. at an NFL stadium, right?
3: You know, you don't know about uh, high school games right. and other, pl- you know, just places where it could happen at any point. So, I really admire uh, what Bo has done for that. I want to just say one other thing uh, before we hit the next break, which is. As you know, I grew up in Buffalo, Mm -hmm. right? And it's been a long time since I've lived in Buffalo. I mean, most of my life, not since I graduated college, but it's my roots. Mm -hmm. And I still have family and friends who live there. And um, having lived in that city, I can tell you, Mike, the relationship between the Bills and that town is so, so tight. It's, Mm -hmm. It's the second smallest city in the NFL to Green Bay. And the Bills mean everything to yeah. that to those residents. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagle fan base and the relationship between the Eagles and, this, and the fans in this city is unbelievable. It's superb. Now imagine that same relationship if the city was like a quarter of the size of Philadelphia, but you still had the team.
4: It's a higher concentration Philadelphia in yes. some ways.
3: Yes. And um, they play the Patriots there tomorrow. Yeah. The energy there is going to be incredible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can say that – you, you have to say that a tragedy is going to coalesce a team or, or better said – I mean, I, I, I don't want to get into, like, the Bills are going to win because of this. But the Bills are going to be playing for so much tomorrow mm-hmm. and not just for playoff seating. Buffalo has been through so much yeah. in the last year. Um, they had a mass murder by a racist gunman in a supermarket mm-hmm. in the last six months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, horrible. They had just, as you know, Christmas Eve, the most horrible snowstorm in the history of a city that is used to horrible snowstorms, yep. killed 40 residents. Yes. Still digging out from that. Um, they had this horrible thing happen to Hamlin this week. And just uh, yesterday, I think it was, their longtime radio announcer, a guy named John Murphy, a local legend, like our, mm-hmm. like our radio guys are yeah, part, like,
4: right. part of us. They're Buffalo's Merrill Reese.
3: Yeah, had a stroke Uh, and he's out and and this is a city you know Buffalo takes a lot of shots Uh right Buffalo ain't that cosmopolitan it's not an international city it can't keep up with cities like Philadelphia Boston, New York LA, whatever it's Buffalo Uh people make fun of it but it is a tight knit town of great people and great neighbors and they love their bills yes and what this has meant to that town I cannot overstate it I don't really know why I brought that all up but That's my roots. No, it was well said.
4: Uh, I think you're 100% right. I think, you know, as I said, it's a a higher concentration Philadelphia in a way because, you know, you left this part out. Sports is so much a part of the culture here. It is that much a part of the culture in Buffalo. I've spent enough time up there and have enough friends up there to be at least a little familiar uh, with what it's like up there. They have the Bills. They have the Buffalo Sabers.
3: They haven't made the playoffs in 20 years. Exactly. You know,
4: it's it's always that thing where, as much as we might lament as sports fans and sports followers in Philadelphia, oh, that you know this team hasn't won in forever. This that team hasn't won in forever. Man, th- just as sports fans, take away everything you just mentioned. Just as sports fans, they've suffered a ton.
3: And you know, if I one other thing, it's like people say, like, oh, sports means too much. Why do people care so much about? Sports? What is it? it's just a bunch of guys putting on outfits and running around. In a town like Philadelphia, it is one thing that really brings us mm-hmm. together, right? We have great colleges, institutions, cultural institutions, and so on, but people don't paint their face for the museum. Right. People get together and, and I'm getting into stuff. Um, Rich and poor and black and white and yep. suburban and city the, and educated and working class. It's the great unifier. And in Buffalo, it is that and more. Their bills are what they are. It is the identity of the city. When there was thought a few years ago that the bills were going to leave, that yeah. they're going to go to Toronto, it would have ripped that city's heart out. Mm-hmm. So when something like this happens to one of theirs, I I, I wish I could watch that game tomorrow. Yeah. I can't. I'm doing the pregame show. I got my show tomorrow morning with Jody. Uh, it's that gonna, stadium... It, in, in Buffalo is going to be insane. It's going to be
4: a goose pimple kind of moment. It is. really will, and I hope the bill. I'll say it. I hope the Bills win. I do.
3: I think everybody does, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And plus, it's, and it's good they're Belichick. playing. Yeah, I was going to say it's good they're playing the Patriots. They have easy, easy villains. Yeah, everybody right? knows that enemy. Let's get Andy before the break. Hey, Andy. Hey, how are you? All right. Hi, uh, Andy.
14: So, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, not too far from Buffalo. Yeah. And in nineteen sixty nine, a friend of my mom's. Uh, offered me a chance. I was a kid. I was eight years old. Said, hey, how would you like to see the Buffalo Bills play? And I said, gee, that would be great. Mm-hmm. And we called my dad. My dad was you know, working, and he was an old NFL guy and had no no interest at all in going to see an AFL game. Got oh, to wow. wow.
5: Yeah, please, so second my class. my mom,
14: I said, Mom, I really want to go. And my mom did what she had to do. And, of course, my dad <laughs> took me to the game. And we went to see the, the Bills play in War Memorial Stadium. Yeah. And I thought, I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. Yeah. My dad loved it. Oh, wow. My dad went nuts. And he bought season tickets. And we had
3: season tickets for the next 20 years. There so we did that. A lot of OJ back in those yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. So Anyway,
14: back in, back in 2001, I'm listening to you guys. And I hear Gary call. And I, I, I thought, geez, I think that I saw that guy. I was in the Carrier Dome. In October, September of 2001, when Syracuse played Auburn, mm-hmm. I go to all the Syracuse football games, and I happen to have my field glasses on a referee, and the referee does a nose plant, goes straight down. I said mm-hmm. to my dad, you won't believe this. That guy just went down. And that was the situation. He's yeah. the guy who wow. just called you. It must make you feel
3: good to know that he's you know with us it's, walking the yeah. earth.
14: Unbelievable to me that I hear that because I was thinking about that, and I hear this out of the corner of my ear, this guy, and I'm thinking, I can't believe it's that guy. And uh, I do have to know Tim Neal, the the who was oh wow. wow helped save him, and that was that was an amazing moment. And I was surprised that no one had talked about that in this context. So it's it's remarkable that he calls in and I hear it. it's
3: just nice, unbelievable. Hey, so, nice to hear anyway. from you, Andy. Andy, thank
4: yeah. you so much for the call. That was that was great. You know, and th- th- we're experiencing right now what we were just talking about about sports being able to. Connect people and because yep. it, it takes you in so many different places and draws in so many different people.
3: Absolutely. All right. Coming up, we are going to talk about you. You actually found a TV show. This a show, a series. Uh, it's you? a
4: it's a series. It's kind
3: of a reality TV series,
4: but in the best way possible. In the best way possible, Glenn. I will just tease you with that, and then we'll come back and discuss it. Right, I know
3: you got our producer to fall in love with it. So well, we'll that's
4: easy. The... He's uh, Kyle's easy. <laughs> He's got yeah. a low
3: standards. <laughs> you are an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been called worse. Two on 592-9494. Five, five nine That's right. You're going to get people like that. I'm going to try to get people to like something a little, a little bit of a tougher sell. Well, we'll see how we do. All right, uh, Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack. Now looking for your calls. Hey, when you bring up banking, most business people roll their eyes. I can tell you, Meridian Bank customers they don't feel that way. Now, sure, Meridian business bankers do the loan thing, and they offer guidance on making your business more successful, but. Meridian also puts on great customer events, both educational and social, and they're a super
2: group of people to be around. If you want to put some fun in your business banking, get started.
3: All right, what we're watching is sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Windows' big winter sale through January. Receive forty percent off all windows and doors. Call one eight seven seven GO GUIDA or visit them at go g u i d a Going to ask our callers to hang in because we're going to discuss some TV, and you're going to try to sell me on a reality show. I got to tell you, I hate reality shows.
4: I understand where you're coming from. And give me a minute because, as I said, this is kind of the best possible iteration of a reality show you can have. So the show that I've been watching with my wife, Kate, and my two sons, Evan and Gabe, who are 11 and Mm 8, recommended by friends of ours, is called Alone. And it's been on the History Channel for a while now, and we've gotten into seasons 8 and 9. And here's the premise of the show. They take 10 people who are... You don't want to say survivalists, but they're outdoors people. They like camping. They like living off the land. They, you know, camp and hunt and fish and do all these things. And they drop them each individually into an area of forest or woods. In season eight, the one that we're really into, they're dropped uh, at Chilco Lake in British Columbia. Mm. Each of them is, as the title of the show suggests, alone. And they, each one has to try to survive in the wilderness as long as he or she possibly can. And whoever holds out the longest wins half a million dollars. So the reason I say it's got, it's a good reality show is that the thing that makes reality TV so lousy to watch, in my opinion, is the interaction of these people who are on the show with each other. They end up, you know staging fights and it gets petty and all this yeah, stuff the we'll
3: conniving and backstabbing and this is
4: well each of these people are by themselves mm. so they're talking to a camera that they have with them a la tom hanks in Castaway <laughs> with the volleyball wilson <laughs> yeah but otherwise they have to build their own hut or domicile fire fire catch their own food or eat onions that they bring up from the ground Geez, uh, how long would you last there? Oh, maybe forty eight hours if I uh, were. I lucky. was gonna say
3: I'd last six hours.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um and at Chilco Lake in what British Columbia there are grizzly bears that they have to avoid. Ooh. Yeah. And there's deer that, you know, one of the one of the guys who's by himself uh shoots a deer with a bow and arrow and he can eat for the next couple of days. Um and it's really interesting and kind of Fun to watch. How do these people survive out there? What what do they do? How do they talk about it? The isolation, the loneliness. It's kind of deep in some ways, and it makes you think, like, as you just said, Glenn, how would I handle something like this? The um, name of the show is on what network? It is uh, the season eight that we're watching now is on Netflix. Okay. The following season, they've already got one out there where they go to uh, Labrador, Canada, like far northeastern Canada, oh. is on Amazon Prime. So okay. the, the the season that we're watching now, Netflix alone i give it three and a half stars it's the kind of thing that your entire family can watch kids can watch it adults can watch it uh as i said my sons are 11 and 8 and they are totally into it all
11: right so you are watching it huh yeah i uh, just started it at the uh well i saw mike's email <laughs> yesterday it said he was watching alone and i had uh, some free time i decided to check it out and i'm with mike i think it's uh, it's not your typical reality tv show in which uh you're you're dealing with drama between people right as mike mm-hmm. said yeah is contrived the drama right, which is ex- the problem, exactly right. correct and uh literally alone, as, as the title of the show suggests, their only company is their camera. You're really getting a glimpse into their thoughts, their fears, uh, and, and I just think it's really cool to see the way different ways in which some of these people break, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hunger, it's legitimate fear uh, for their lives, it's, it's, it's missing loneliness. their families. Right. In, in one case, it's a guy who literally dropped one of the tools that he brought with him in the water and was no longer going to be able to sustain a fire, so he's like, well, I have to go. So, really, their like, last fail-safe is to call like the rescue team to come get them out. Wow. Yeah. So okay. yeah, it's it's legitimate reality. All right. Well, so you didn't go for the
3: show that I said I was going to watch this week, eh? No, not yet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting to uh, it. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I bet. So that sounds good. Mm-hmm. not sure I'll watch it, but it sounds good. Mine is going to be a little bit of a tougher sell. Okay. Uh, and it's called Come From Away on Apple TV. And I know this this does not sound like the stuff of a feel-good broadway musical but here's the setup september 11 2001 seven thousand stranded airline passengers are in the you have to go somewhere mm-hmm. uh of course 9 11 is what i'm talking about and they all land in a tiny canadian town on newfoundland um you, the to, far to, eastern edge of canada to be clear this actually happened oh yeah yeah, yeah. Yo. this is yes. based on what what actually happened right um doubling the population of this little town. What was the name of the town? was Gander, Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. Um, And what the people on the plane didn't know at the time was why their planes were diverted, what was happening. They were unaware of Mm 9-11. They're on a plane, and the pilot says, we can't land in New York. We are going somewhere. They didn't even know where they were. Uh, There are planes from all over. Some people don't speak English. Uh, They're all strangers to each other. Confusion reigns, but... Kindness kicks in because when they land in Newfoundland, the locals in this town open their homes, offer food, clothing, diapers, beds, everything that people could need when they're all disoriented. And from this story, this real story of something that actually happened, they made the Broadway musical Come From Away, uh, won a lot of awards, it's been around for a couple of years. They filmed the actual musical. Mm -hmm. Like if you've seen Hamilton, they filmed the actual Hamilton and put it on TV. It's been on for a little while. I just caught up with it because the play is coming to the Kimmel next month. And I'm seeing the play next month with my wife at the Kimmel. And I wanted to see it maybe before that. So we saw this on Apple TV. um, And it's great. It's a 9 out of 10. Wow. It is fantastic. Maybe a 10 out of 10. And part of it is because more than 20 years later, these, these caring gestures, these, these, these nice people in Canada who are exactly like you would expect Canadian mm-hmm. small town people to be <laughs> right. They're talking, they're all these off shucks, people talking about hockey and whiskey and a moose mm-hmm. blocking the road and all that <laughs> stuff just kind of took in all these strangers mm-hmm. and in a horrible moment created this beautiful thing, um, and by the way, I never knew, side side story, I never knew, like, why were all the planes diverted to Newfoundland? Mm. The answer is because that's the furthest eastern point of North America. So back in the day, when planes from the West Coast or even uh, the middle of the country couldn't fly all the way across the Atlantic without refueling, they built this airport just basically so planes could land there and refuel, mm-hmm. and now it's mostly empty. Yeah. And so on 9-11, it became one of the most important places in the world. Again, I know a musical about the aftermath of 9-11 may sound like, you know, Eat Your Vegetables Mm -hmm. TV, but it's great, and it's fun, and it's funny, and you should watch it. Uh, It is on Apple TV+. Plus. It's called Come From Away, and you will enjoy it. You know,
4: it's funny, Glenn. Did did I I sell it? I think you did a great job selling it. It just occurred to me while you were describing it, you know, as you said, it doesn't sound like the kind of thing that you would make a Broadway musical out of, but then the most successful Broadway musical of at least the last quarter century was about an assassination
3: of right. one of the it, founding fathers. Right, in 1820. Yeah. A historical moment in 1820. Right. So this is this is just great. So Kyle, are you going to watch it? Uh, no, you're not. No, that's
11: okay. <laughs> I'm not a big musical guy, that's all. Well, I... There's nothing wrong with liking musicals, Kyle. That's not... I felt that way until I started acting. Yeah, I'm not adamantly against musicals. I've just never really seen or watched one that I enjoy. I tell you what, I'd make a deal.
5: Okay.
3: All right.
11: If you watch this thing... I'm already out. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Go ahead.
3: And don't like it. Okay. I will. What will I do?
11: Ooh, here
3: you go. Another. St- I mean, stup- I'm already stup- going to owe him dinner at Ralph's. So Stupid what, what musical bet. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, no, here no. If he doesn't like it, what, 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 what could I give you that would, you know, about four hundred dollars? No, forget <laughs> it. All right, we'll think of something. Uh, let's go to Tom in Downingtown. Tom, you're well, on with uh, Mike and Glenn. Good morning, Tom.
1: Likes places that let let her in.
3: are you Tommy. With us? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, what's on you're your on mind, the air, Tommy? Pal.
1: Yeah, I was up in uh, was up in Buffalo, October 2019. Those people were outstanding.
5: Yeah, uh, nice.
1: my my son had graduated from St. Bonnie's Bonaventure, and he played hockey with the Buffalo guys and the Rochester guys, and all the families were aces. We went up there on October 29th. They were great hosts. They didn't want the Eagles to win, which we did. Yeah, but yeah. they, you know, they said your team's going to lose here. Here's a, here's a jelly shot. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the Bills mafia was great. I, Glenn, they're, they're great people. Yeah, And they uh, are. just wanted to chime in on that.
3: All right, let's talk about tomorrow's game. What's your formula tomorrow?
1: You, you got to and, and I don't want to get beat up by WF. You got to play old-time football, okay? And that means you got you to gotta hit the D-line and wear them down. And then you could pass all day, bang, bang, shoot them up. But you have to put the pressure on the D-line and the linebackers to focus on the run. It, all right, so
3: let me give you an over-under. And we understand tomorrow's game is going to be weird, right, Tom, because the Giants aren't going to play their starters. So it could be, we hope, Eagles get a nice early lead rest, guys. Miles Sanders had, what would we say, 11 carries last week? 11 or 12. Yeah. All right, Miles Sanders over-under for carries 13 and a half. What do you got? Oh,
1: way over. Way over.
3: over, way over. I, I
1: was t- up there. I was up there in uh, in MetLife Stadium. We were singing. You know, we had to sing. Oh, that was a great game. Yeah. Songs and 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 that was a balanced attack. They, yep. they you know, AJ Brown attacked. They didn't know where they were coming from. And it's
4: forty some points. Yeah, it was yeah. forty eight. It was
3: 48. great. All right. All right, we got you. Thank you. Thanks, so, Tom. 13, 13 and a half carries. We got yeah, I would take the under. I would
4: do. Yeah, I would take the under. Um, it doesn't mean that they shouldn't run the ball. It doesn't mean that they won't. I just think that uh, I would take the under on that If if just because of the way they call plays and the way they think. All
3: right, here you go. Jalen Hurts, nine and a half carries tomorrow.
4: Ooh, that's a good number. I'll say 10. I'll take the over.
3: Okay. Is that You feel good about that? No, I don't,
4: but I'll take the over anyway.
3: Okay. Do I feel good about no, it? No, f- do you feel good like you want to see that? Not do you feel confident. Do you feel good as in that would be a good thing?
4: I think it's a ne- necessary thing. I don't know if it's a good thing. I
2: think it's a necessary thing. Gotcha. Let's put it that way. Okay. Two, one, five. five. Yeah, I mean, he was able to communicate uh, in writing, um, and he is
12: uh, unable to speak with us yet as he uh, still has... A breathing tube in, and we're still assisting him with uh, ventilation. Uh, so the um, you know when he was communicating with us uh, last night and then again today, that's been in writing. And uh, you know to paraphrase uh, one of our partners, you know when when he asked, "Did we win?" The answer is yes. You know, Demar,
3: you won. You've won the game of life. Well, that's Damar Hamlin's doctor at the hospital in Cincinnati. And by the way, that's a couple days old because he is now speaking, yes. and he did speak yesterday with teammates, FaceTimed, and with his uh, old friend... Miles Sanders. Yeah, you're going to have to punch him up because my thing is not working. Dr. Right. Mark Pollard from Cooper Bone & Joint uh, is with us today, and it's a, it's obviously, Doc, an important day to talk to you. Uh, and I know you've done sideline coverage for local sports teams um, and must have education in what happened. before. Before we ask you about the specifics of this case, I'm just curious. Have you ever been in a situation where a player on the field needed more than help for, you know, a torn knee or an injured arm or something, something like this where you, you had to use your old ER uh, techniques. Um,
6: uh, well, good day to you guys too. Um, and, uh, luckily, no, uh, you know, I haven't been in a, you know, I've been in a situation, you know, where uh, people have had to be you know put on spine boards and things like that. But, uh, um luckily, you know, not a situation where somebody's not breathing or their, or their heart's not beating. Uh, but that being said, you know, in covering games, you know, there's the responsibility of, you know, having to deal with that if it does happen. So preparations are made, uh, training is done, so that if it happens, hopefully, you know, you can just fall into the routine of, you know, what you've prepared for to take care of it.
3: And, I mean, I'm sure you've seen what happened up in that game in Cincinnati. It was remarkable. How quickly they attended to him and how they, I mean, f- figured it out and saved his life, you know, bing bang, one, two, three.
6: Yeah, and, and I mean, that's the uh, the absolute critical thing with a condition like this, is recognizing what's occurring as soon as possible, because every second counts. And, uh, you know, luckily for, uh, for this young man, you know, everything was in place. Uh, it couldn't have happened in a in a better place than maybe if he was at a hospital already.
4: Doctor, did you see it as it happened? And if you did, what did you think uh, was happening? Because you're, you're going to uh, look at this in a different way than someone like me or Glenn, who doesn't have the the trained eyes that you do.
6: Yeah, I'll be honest. I was uh, the, the my kids wanted to watch the Sixers game, so that was on TV. But then one of them noticed on their phone that something had happened at the Bills game, so we switched over and. I think the the coverage they showed a, a re, the replay one or two times before they stopped showing it, and um, it was pretty apparent from what was going on that it seemed like it was a, a cardiac event. Um, you know, a guy stands up, uh, takes a step, and then just kind of collapses down without moving.
3: So it is the 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 technical name of this, and uh, if I pronounce it correctly, uh, incorrectly, please uh, correct me. Commodio Cordis. Um, What is that?
9: Um, It's a a
6: very rare uh, entity. At least we think it's rare, because God knows how many times it might occur that we don't recognize it. Um, But essentially, I think it's Latin for agitated heart. Um, As you know, the heart is a muscle, and uh, the heart muscle functions as a pump. And its job is to pump blood around the body, and that blood delivers oxygen, which is critical to the function and survival of the rest of the body. And the heart muscle uh, pumps in its way that it does based on some electrical activity that goes through it uh, generated by the nerves. And what happens uh, is that there's a blow to the chest right around the sternum or the breastbone and that happens at exactly the wrong time in that uh, electrical cycle that the heart goes through. And it causes essentially the electrical cycle to go haywire. You know, you've gotten a cramp in your foot before. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's the that's that's the muscles in your foot, and obviously you're not bending your toes. Your muscles aren't working in a in a way that's accomplishing anything. And if that happens in your foot, it's uncomfortable and unfortunate. But if it happens to your heart, you know that's an absolute emergency because the blood stops pumping, and so you know the uh, uh, the only treatment for it. The, the, the real treatment is to restore the electrical activity. And luckily we live in an age where we've kind of figured out that those uh, uh, automated external defibrillators, those uh, uh, little crash paddle things mm-hmm. um, which used to only be in hospitals are now oftentimes in the community. and if that can be applied quickly enough, that can kind of restore the, uh, uh, the blood flow. And in the meantime of course, Uh, CPR, uh, chest compressions are done to try to keep the blood circulating as best uh, as possible.
4: Doctor, there's been kind of this discussion since what happened Monday night about football and its violence and uh, the understanding amongst the people who play it that something traumatic could happen to them. Is this sort of thing, can you attribute it to football or is it something that can happen in any sort of set of circumstances?
6: Um, the scary thing is that it can happen just about anywhere. I think uh, most of the reported cases are actually associated with baseball um, and, and a ball hitting the chest. You know, either a catcher or a, a player gets hit at just the wrong time, and sometimes they're actually able to pick up the ball, and make the throw, and then you know after that they they go down. Um, and so, you know, they've there was uh, some enthusiasm a while back with trying to. Put pads and chest protectors and things like that. I know when the when the kids were in little league, there were you know padded shirts that uh, they would wear. But unfortunately, to my knowledge, I don't think uh, any of those things have really uh, decreased this from happening. Now, understand it's you know it's it's an exceedingly rare thing. You know, most people go their entire careers without uh, seeing anything like this. But um, you know, I think the, the key thing is to recognize that it can happen and to be ready to immediately do what needs to be done.
3: Final question, Dr. Pollard. The good news is, uh, in this case, DeMar Hamlin's neurological function is intact. Uh, he is talking. He is alert. Um, no more breathing tubes. Is the upside, and I don't even want to ask you about whether he can return to football, but is the upside that he can resume his life Uh, without any restrictions?
6: Um, Yeah, I mean, that's the odd thing about this. Um, You know, the sudden uh, cardiac uh, events like this in athletes, uh, there's a couple of other entities, like uh, hypertrophic uh, cardiomyopathy, where the heart gets too big, Mm
5: -hmm. Mm -hmm. is the
6: leading cause. That was, I think, Hank Gathers back in the 80s, had that happen to him. Um, And then some people have, like, uh, congenital anomalies, where the blood vessels in their hearts are kind of put together in, a, in an odd way that predisposes to problems. So this entity is not very common. And so what will happen, and I'm sure that it's happening already, they're probably running a gamut of tests to take a look at the heart to make sure that there is no structural abnormality. And when this occurs, there really is no structural abnormality. And so if everything checks out, there's really no, not really any reason that I know of to prevent him from returning to activity. I mean, I think you know, the the thing that worried me for the first couple of days was uh, uh, the that he wasn't talking because, you know, the longer it went without him, like, communicating, you worry about if there's some uh, damage to the brain because right. the brain mm-hmm. does, does not deal well with lack of blood flow and oxygen at all. And so um, I think it's, uh, it's marvelous that uh, he seems to be uh, doing very well. I mean, the hope is that he'd be able to return to... Return to full activities again. I don't know if he personally would make that choice,
5: but
3: yeah.
5: um, we'll see
6: how things go as
3: we move forward. Yeah, it's 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 really good news, Dr. Mark Parla. Always appreciate it, your expertise and your time. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Thank you, doctor. Uh, thanks, you too. All right, there you go. Good stuff. Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, that's that's why we bring on someone like Dr. Mark Pollard mm-hmm. is to talk about a situation like this one. All
3: right, let's go to our friend Clay in Kansas City. An Eagles hey fan from afar. What's going on, Hi, buddy? Hey,
8: thanks for the recommendation, Glenn. That that musical is coming to Kansas. I just looked it up, and I texted it to my wife. It's coming this summer. I think we're going go. uh, to
3: so. go. There and you go. There come from away. See? Look at that. Yeah. Mike, yeah, yeah. I didn't think I would be able to persuade anybody to watch a feel-good musical about 9-11. I sold one. L- ladies and gentlemen mm-hmm. of Philadelphia,
4: if you see a man wearing
3: a sandwich board...
4: Outside the Kimmel Theater. Yeah. yeah. Selling February. you on a musical. You know it's it will be me. Glenn Macnow. That's right.
8: Also, I will say the thing about that show alone, because I've watched multiple seasons of it. The more you watch it, Mike, yes. you will get good at picking out who's going to win early.
4: Yeah. You, you know, it's it's funny. I'm I'm through the first—I'm uh, in season eight, and I'm, I think, nine episodes in, and there are 11 or 12 in the whole season. And they're down to their last four And Um, I'm starting to get a sense of who I think is going to be the last one standing.
8: You'll get better. Like, you'll be able to pick it in the second or third episode. Oh, wow. Sounds
3: like a family betting pool.
8: Could be. there's, There's critical decisions and things that happen. In the early parts of that show, like getting a shelter, yes, finding a good uh, food source, etc., and not getting injured, yeah, and yeah, you'll see that, and you'll be like, "Oh, that guy's gonna win." I, I had um, no idea
4: you could do so much with moss; it was amazing. <laughs> uh,
8: Glenn, Glenn, I couldn't survive for six hours. so No, please, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't even try it. Yeah, um, hey, real quick on Where's the Eagles, my phone charger.
3: Right.
8: I wanted to make a comment on the eagle. Sure. Um, I, I'm. I think Hertz is going to play. I actually think Gardner Johnson is going to play. Oh, Hertz is definitely going to play. Is, uh, Gardner Johnson, yeah,
5: maybe.
3: Th- yeah, it's up in the air. I, I, and I I'm really, not, yeah, I would sure. like to see him play because he's such an important part of it. I want to see him get 20 plays under his belt. I, I, I really feel like
8: you know they talk about it's like a new season when the playoffs get here. I really just feel like go win this game. Everyone, take a breath, and we're going to be fine. Now, if we lose this game. I think we're going to go out the first weekend of the playoffs, I, I, which is sad because what a great season. But I really do feel like win this game, take a breath, get ready to make the run. I'll listen off the air, guys. Go birds.
3: Thanks, uh, thanks so much. Thanks, Clay. I don't, I don't even want to consider the possibility that they lose this game. I mean, you're playing against the Giants' backups tomorrow with yes. an imperative to win, with a real motive. To, you have a real motive to win. If they lose this game?
5: <laughs>
4: yeah. Here, Here's the thing I'll say to that, though, Glenn. The Eagles staggered into the playoffs in 2017 when they ended up winning the Super Bowl. There was a whole lot of concern yeah, Nick, because of Nick Foles uh, and can he play, can he not play. There were people
3: suggesting, should the Eagles start Nate Sudfeld I, instead of Nick Foles? I remember. I will not name those people, but I remember some <laughs> of those people distinctly.
4: Yeah, and it's also interesting to point out, uh, you know, we remember, if you're old enough, you remember 1980. And you remember beating the Dallas Cowboys to get to the Super Bowl for the first time. Mm -hmm. The Eagles lost three of their last four regular season games Mm -hmm. that year, including a game to the Cowboys in Dallas in the Mm -hmm. last week of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, So that team staggered into the playoffs as well. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's always going to be well if they lose tomorrow, because I agree. I think if they lose tomorrow, all of a sudden, you know, the task before them becomes really, really difficult. But... You know, the fact that they're not playing great right now doesn't necessarily mean they can't make a run once the playoffs start.
3: Good pep talk. I'm trying, man. Appreciate it. I'm trying. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we are talking to... Tom Rock from Newsday. Covers the
4: NFL for Newsday. Had been the Giants beat writer. Had been the Jets beat writer. Now they're NFL columnist. Friend of mine. Good guy. Smart guy. Looking forward to talking to him. Sweet.
3: Hey, if the cold weather has you thinking it's finally time to replace those old drafty windows and doors, there is no better time to make your home more energy efficient while taking advantage of Guida's big winter sales event. Now, the great people at Guided Door and Window, they are extending their big winter sale through January by offering 40% off every window and door you buy. Receive 40% off each expertly installed energy-efficient replacement window that also includes free high-performance low-E glass and if you're in the need of a new door, you receive 40% off any door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Take advantage of Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans to get your project started with no money out of pocket. Offers for limited time only, so you must act quickly. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one 877 go or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A dot com.
2: Six defensive backs. Collins playing up front. It's Foles
7: to the air. Intercepted by the aforementioned Collins. You can kiss him.
3: Goodbye. Touchdown. Pick six. Well, that was last week as the New York Giants clinch a spot in the playoffs, beating up the Indianapolis Colts. I think it was 38-10. to 10, Yeah. Something like that. And our next guest is certainly... Somebody able to discuss that and more.
4: Yeah, Tom Rock, who uh, covered the Giants for a long time for Newsday now, is Newsday's NFL columnist. Tom, thanks for joining us, man.
9: What's up, fellas? How you doing? All right?
4: Everything is everything, man. So are the Giants playing their starters tomorrow, and if so, for how long? <laughs> and what's going on here? Yeah,
15: that's the, uh, that's the 2007 dollar question, right? Because, uh, you know, every other team has to face this situation. Uh, the Giants are in a different, different uh, predicament because of what happened in 2007, and that, that certainly weighs heavy on any decision that they make in this regard. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about Tom Coughlin playing his stars in a meaningless game against the, uh, uh, the unbeaten Patriots, and, and it's sort of sparking them all the way to the Super Bowl title a month later. Uh, I don't think that that's going to you know, necessarily sway Brian Dable, uh, but, it's, but it's certainly a big part of the discussion here in New York.
3: There is also a more recent incident, which just happened two years ago, which involved the Eagles kind of tanking their last game of the year, and Joe Judge, Philadelphia's finest, <laughs> slamming the Eagles for a lack of ethics doing that. I don't know that that plays into it, but if you had to put it on a 1-10, ten, 10 being Tyrod Taylor gets the start, what do you think?
15: I would say uh I think that Daniel Jones will start. I think Saquon Barkley will start. I think that uh, Saquon Barkley will be out of the game very quickly. And if they, if it is still a one-score game at halftime and, and the competitive juices are start to pump through Brian Dable's heart, then he will stick with Daniel Jones and everybody else that, that's wow, on the field wow. other than Saquon Barkley oh. and, and try, try and win the darn thing.
4: Tom, you've been around... NFL teams in locker rooms for a long time is the idea that the Giants could really damage a rival in the Eagles any kind of motivating factor here
15: I don't think so no I don't, I don't sense that from these guys I think there's there are some some things at play regarding the Eagles I think that they are uh they're still a little embarrassed by the last time they played that was a uh, that was a, that was sort of the only game uh, this season that they they really had had it handed to them uh, it, it opened their eyes I think to uh, just how far off they are from from the top parts of the league uh, you know every other game has pretty much been a one been a one score game they 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 were you know head to head with the uh, Cowboys a couple of times they, the Vikings they lost on a sixty one yard field goal uh, as time expired so that Eagles game sticks with them I think there's a lot of players who wish they could have that back I'm thinking of Julian love in particular I, I think if, if you could say that there's one play that he would want to do over this season it would be it would be that uh, that one touchdown that he allowed that he sort of misplayed and and really could have uh, could, could have lit him up there and 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 instead uh, wound up going for a fourth down touchdown uh, so I think that there are there are a lot of elements there in that regard but in terms of dealing with the the uh, you know, uh, some kind of a blow to the Eagles uh, for their for their uh, You know, that hurt, that helps the Cowboys. Why would they want to do that? So yeah. it's it's sort of uh, you know is the friend of my is the enemy of my enemy my friend or or however you however that phrase goes. It's very heavy. Uh, you know, I, I,
3: yeah, Thank you for bringing the Godfather the, uh, into yeah. it. <laughs> T- Tom Rock yeah. <laughs> is our guest. Uh, you can follow Tom on Twitter uh, at uh, Tom Rock underscore Newsday. Um, so, Tom, let's talk a little bit about Brian Dable and what he has meant for a team that has been so unstable in coach and general manager for the last few years. What are the, you know, two or three things that he has really meant that he's really done to turn that team around?
15: Well, I think when you when you watch them in practice, they they definitely lead the league in in fist bumps, bro hugs, and chest. Bumps. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are they are a tight knit group, and and we say that about a lot of teams. A lot of teams. You know, bring that bring that up. You know, we're a family, we're a brotherhood. These guys, these guys really are tight, and and they really do love each other. I, you know, I'm thinking of the moment uh, when they beat Washington a couple of weeks ago. We were, uh, and and you guys have been in that visiting uh, media room there. Right? Yes. There's a hallway between the the interview room and the locker room. And Dable was coming one way, and Jones was coming the other way. And right in the middle of, it, of that hallway, they kind of hugged, and they both said, "I love you, man. I love you." And, and you know, it's just a, there's just a genuineness to that. The other thing I would say is is the, the level of competition that they have. I mean, they have a ping pong ta- they have two ping pong tables in the locker room. And yesterday, when we were there, they had they had two two on two matches going on, and they're just competing against each other at all times. Going back to training camp, Brian Dable would have them. Would uh, would which, which stop practice and have all of a sudden some somebody from the offense call of play and somebody from the defense call play and they would just compete against each other mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would they would they stop their meetings sometimes, <laughs> and they and they turn on uh, Madden video games and they and they give one player from offense and one player from defense control of the Giants. And and off they and off they go, and they and they and they have to play a quarter or a drive or a game over, you know, however however long however long they have to do it. Uh, so I think I think the uh, the relationships that he's built they they're genuine, they're authentic, and, and the competition that he's level of that he's tapped into with these guys, I think really has, has set them on this course towards this uh, this re- pretty remarkable turnaround season.
4: How much of the turnaround is due to Daniel Jones, and are the Giants going to commit to him, do you think, as their franchise quarterback?
15: Yeah, that's, a, that's the big question for the next couple of months here. Um, you know, I think the last two games, he's, he's been outstanding. I think there have been, for most of the season, though, I, you know, they were a one-touchdown-a-game team, a one-touchdown-a-game offense. And, and you think about Brian Dable, you think about Mike Kafka and where they came from, uh, Buffalo and Kansas City. It, they're they're not used to that, so I think that there's part of them that still thinks that they can do a little better than Daniel Jones, Ooh. and mm. they're going to have to come to grips with that this offseason yeah. and decide. Uh, you know, is obviously they didn't pick up the 50 year option on him, so if they if they franchise tag him, then you're looking at about thirty million dollars a year, and so that's sort of the starting point for, for negotiating with him, I would think. Uh, so that's that's pretty steep territory now of course he wins a couple more games this month and and who knows who knows what happens but uh right now my guess is that they they give sort of a short-term commitment to him i would say two years three maybe three you know with, with option for a third or something like that uh just to kind of see see make sure that this trajectory is is true and and keeps going up because uh you know they they're they they can not live in a world where they score 18 points a game, they need they need to be yeah. up higher to compete in the NFL and to compete among the elites in the NFL, uh, especially in this day and age when you see all the points that are, that are going up every every week.
3: Hey Tom, let me ask you about something that happened last week that we we saw the the countryside, which was Kayvon Thibodeau had his four sack of the year, uh, and in doing so, it, it broke the ribs of Nick Fole, Nick Foles, excuse me, and and Foles is writhing on the ground in pain. And Thibodeau was next to him doing snow angels. Um, I thought it looked pretty sleazy. Was there any sense from Thibodeau or anybody else on the team that what he did was wrong? Was there any remorse? Was there any apology?
9: No,
15: and I think that's the part that that Mm. bothered me a little bit Mm. was that in the moment you say, Okay, I didn't realize the guy was hurt you know, and you you, and you take his word for it, you say, Okay, that's genuine and you know, he's he's a little you know, he's very caught up in the moment, obviously, and he's he's not looking around. He's, he's obviously staring straight up, because he's doing those stupid snow angels, right? Uh, his, I mean, his hand is practically brushing up against foals, which is, which is uh, you know, it just made, made it for an ugly scene. But you say, okay, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. <clears throat> I'm going to say he didn't know at the time. But then he comes back, and he sort of doubles down on it. He's yeah. like, yeah, you know, I don't care yeah. what other people say. I don't care what other people think. And, that, and then that just... That I think that left a, bit, a bad taste in, in a lot of people's mouths. But you know, he's a young kid. He's 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 got some growing up to do, and and I think he's going to be a, a really special player for them. Uh, but he's you know he's also got to learn how to control those things. And there are people that that have been in his ear with that regard. Michael Strahan was out of practice this week, talking to him a little bit. Mm. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure that topic came up, and uh, I know Saquon Barkley. Uh, overheard some of the things he was saying in the locker room this week, and sort of had a, a little bit of a raised eyebrow. And a, a, you know, as a captain, i mean, Saquon's the—you the, the, know—the most powerful voice in that locker room right yeah. now. And so, I, my my sense was that he would he would approach him and talk to him a little bit about about how best to handle those situations. Well,
4: uh, around, uh, it's uh, funny, yeah, Tom.
15: That, that,
5: that, that,
4: no, I was just going to say, it's exactly. funny It's funny around here that it's become such a big deal. I think most people thought that Nick Foles would just lay hands on his own ribs and heal them himself based on what he did, you know, back in 2018.
15: <laughs> you know, the, the funny thing is that Wink Martindale, uh, you yeah, know, we asked Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator, about it. And he was. Uh, he said, you know, that... Those things kind of happen when you leave two rushers unblocked. So he kind of put it on the on the uh,
3: Colts yeah, for not well. uh, scheming,
15: scheming it up a little bit better. Uh, I, actually, I was I was very surprised, by the way, that the Colts offensive lineman let them get away with that. But
3: yes, that, as uh, was that, Jeff Saturday, better. as you right. know, who called his yep. own players to task. Uh, one or yep. two more questions. Um, Obviously, the whole league this week was focused on what happened in Cincinnati, uh, and you wrote a column this week, uh, kind of saying where everywhere you turn in the Giants facility, there was somebody with a, din- a direct excuse me, connection to uh, Hamlin. Talk a little bit about how, because we, we know how it impacted Eagles players. Miles Sanders was a friend of his. How did it impact the Giants overall? Yeah, I
15: mean, I think it was a very hard day, you know. Brian Dable was the coach up there for four years. He was he was uh, there last year, obviously when Demar uh, was a rookie when he was drafted. Uh, Joe Shane, the general manager, he was part of the front office that that drafted him. Uh, there was a couple. There's a couple of players that were with him last year. There's there's, there's a couple of players that were with him this season. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, who who was claimed off waivers from the Bills, they were they were on the practice squad together. Uh, Davis Webb, the, back, the you know the third string quarterback. They, he used to be a safety in the, on the scout team with with Demar. So just about you know there's probably about ten or twelve guys players in, in that locker room that had a direct connection to him. Some some played a pit with him. Uh, Jason Pinnock played at, played a pit with him. So they they all knew him and they were they were shaken. I have never seen a sadder, more down, more heavy practice than the one on Wednesday when it was their first day back and they, they still weren't quite sure what was going on. And then by contrast, the spirit on Thursday when the good news started to come out and we started to hear, hear the, the great reports out of, out of Cincinnati Medical Center, what a, what a difference that, that 24 hours made for, for this team. And it, ju- it just lifted everybody's spirits and everybody was, was happy and they were back to dancing and fooling around and, and, and having, a, having a fun time at practice. So I think that, that having that weight off of the shoulders of basically everyone in the league, but particularly those like Miles and, and like the Giants who knew him, knew him well, I think that's going to go a long way toward making this weekend a lot more palatable and a lot, a lot easier to get through. Then, then obviously it could have been.
4: Tom, last one for me: Is this season for the Giants considered a success already, or if they get bounced in the in the wild card round, you know, will it be unmet expectations, or oh, it could have been something more than it turned out to be? Yeah,
15: I think it's a success already. I think I think that uh, getting to the playoffs, getting back to the playoffs for the first time since 2016, with the roster that they had, with the uh, with the uh, resources that they were they were limited with uh, in the off season that they couldn't really go out and make big splurges in free agency and they and they only had a, you know the, the draft picks and they and they had to mop up you know this was this season was supposed to be about cleaning up the mess that was left behind and figuring out which pieces they wanted to keep moving forward and I'm talking of course about Saquon and Daniel in particular and. So they, they were able to do that. They were in pretty good shape next year. They got a lot of space under the cap. They got, you know, their draft picks. They didn't, they didn't tap into their future resources to make a trade. Uh, they didn't uh, commit to people for contracts down the road. I'm talking about Odell. And, and, they, and they found they have a pretty good idea now of what they have in their quarterback and their running back. So you throw in the playoff berth and the chance to, uh, uh, create some buzz and excitement around here and the feeling that was at the stadium on last Sunday when they clinched that, that spot. And, and we've been in that stadium so often where people are, you know, at the end of the game, everybody's chanting fly Eagles fly or, you know, Dallas Cowboys fans have, have taken it over. And this was a chance for the Giants to really celebrate the return. And I think that they, they feel like they have all the, they have the, the infrastructure in place, the foundation to keep building on it. Uh, whatever they do after after Sunday, I think is is gravy. All
3: right, last question, uh, two parter. Do you have a vote, and who is this year's MVP?
15: Hmm, that's a that's a good question. I don't have a vote. Okay. Uh, but so I so I haven't really really uh, thought thought too much about it. Uh, you know, I I if he hadn't been held to one catch last what last week, I would I would probably say. Um, uh, uh, Jeff, Jefferson uh, yeah. Justin Jeff, Justin Jefferson right uh, but you know I think you look at sometimes you gotta go with the obvious I think you look at what Mahomes has done all the
3: season mm. incorrect
15: I, I think uh, <laughs> try again <laughs> <laughs> okay what you want me to say, Jalen Hurts?
3: There you go, Tom Rock. It oh, has been okay. a pleasure <laughs> talking with you today. Follow him on Twitter at Tom Rock underscore Newsday. Our pleasure, man. Thanks,
4: Tommy. Thanks, man.
3: Thanks, fellas. All right, there All you right. go. Good. Well, we got him there.
4: Yeah, we did. We did. We got. Him. We we let him. We led the horse to water and we
3: shoved his face. Yeah, into I don't know if he so actually he drank, drink. but you know, when when he says. Do you want me to say Jalen Hurts? Does that count as an actual vote? I think it kind of does, yes. All right, let's talk to Rob in okay. Glen Olden and see what he is thinking about tomorrow. Rob? Gentlemen, how you doing? Good afternoon. Thanks, buddy. You too, Rob.
6: Listen, i got a couple things I wanted to mention. I talked to the producer about one thing. Um, he didn't kind of agree, but there's like a correlation. Who was the game back in 2017? It was, one, it was either Foles' first or second start after Wentz got hurt and he threw a goose egg up. Was it home against...
4: The Raiders. Right. You're thinking of the Raiders game. Yeah, it was game. terrible.
1: Yeah, terrible. I and, mean, you know, uh, granted, that was our
6: backup
3: quarterback. was the Cowboys? It was the Cowboys. It was the, Cowboys. Yeah, it was the last game of the season well, the, when we got shut out. Yeah, but That's Foles, exact, Foles but it played
1: before, it. Yeah, it was before that.
3: Yeah, yeah now, no, it was the one before that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he
4: he didn't play much against the Cowboys in that Just, like, last game now, of the season.
1: Now, the difference is the backup quarterback's
6: not going to be carrying us through, hopefully, through the playoffs. Like, Hurts will be back. But it's kind of like, eh, you know, we kind of threw up a goose egg down, like we threw up a goose egg against the Saints. And to me, week to week, it's a different season. I know sometimes momentum is a big thing, and you always want to play your best ball, no matter what sport, going
9: into the playoffs. But to me, sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes. It... Well,
4: here, here's the thing I'd say, Rob, and, and thank you very much for the call. the The difference is that when Foles played poorly in those games at the end of the regular season, the Eagles still won a couple of them, so they had home field advantage locked up. Now. It wasn't necessarily a huge advantage at the time. There, that was a that was a stacked playoff field,
3: uh, but this is a different situation. The Eagles haven't clinched home field yet. So I got a sense from Tom Rock that the Giants. He believes the Giants are going to play Daniel Jones to yeah. start the game and, and Saquon Barkley yes. a bit. That is not the wisdom that we've been hearing all week, and certainly not the way Vegas has looked at it. That's right. That that would concern me. I, listen, the Eagles ought to be, the Eagles beat the Giants, what was the score, 48-21? to 48-22. 48-22, like yeah. not that long ago. And so at home, needing to win as they do, I would like to have the confidence that they will, but I'd feel Suppo- better. Suppose the Giants it. score in their first possession. Oh, take nine minutes? How much nervous
4: energy do you think there's going to be at Lincoln Financial Field tomorrow, if that happens? I can
3: tell you how the nervous energy will express itself. Oh, yeah. That'd be a big boo. All right, before the break, we'll get
9: in Jerry.
3: Jerry. Jerry, you're on with Glenn and Mike.
8: Hey, guys. How's it going this morning? All right. Glenn, this is your boy, uh... A.K.A. Mr. Nails Twenty, that you claim that I'm not.
3: But uh, anyway, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> can't give yourself I, I, a nickname. You know the rules. Yeah, yeah. come on. Jack. I know the rules. I know. I got
8: a, a quick story and two guarantees.
3: Okay. My All quick
8: right. my my quick story is my father passed away of the same a heart condition that Hank Gathers did in front of my face where I tried to revive my father. Oh, wow. And it, it it never happened, and he was pretty much deceased before he hit the ground according to the coroner.
5: Oh, wow. And
8: my guarantee is, and I want to give, I just I just want to give a little shout-out to my dad.
5: Okay?
8: okay? There you go. Um, And my two guarantees are that the Eagles will win, Sunday mm-hmm. and Jail Hurt will play, but the other guarantee, Glenn, is my nickname is N- Nail Twenty. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Always a
4: pleasure. Thank pal. you, Jerry. Talk Thank to you, you Jerry. soon. The, I'm sorry. The only that was that was a uh, <laughs> uh, that was a pe- Jerry's a piece of work. I, I will say this: yeah. only one person has successfully given himself a nickname in history, and that's Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I didn't like that.
3: Part. I, I I didn't like that, but it stuck. Yeah, well, uh, other people have given themselves nicknames that have stuck. I just think that's It's that a pretty it, good nickname. And I'm not big on, it's a violation. Mm. But I think as a general rule of thumb, nicknames have to come organically from other people around you. Who gave you the prof? Uh, Anthony Gargano. Okay. Because I was teaching at St. Joe's. Ah, there you so, go. Yeah. Okay. And I appreciate it. that. Was, that was actually, he called me many things over the years. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the that was one of the ones that actually I'm glad stuck as opposed to some of the others. I'm not touching that one. 215-592-9494 with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Macknow. Hey, by the way, uh, this hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank, Regional Presence, Community Touch, Meridian Bank, Innovative Business Banking for Entrepreneurial Success. Coming up, we're gonna do a tribute to a colleague of ours who is leaving the local media scene. And uh, a guy who's done just had a tremendous career. We're gonna, we're gonna, one miss of the his great works, yeah. Hey, for most business people, a meeting with their banker can be like a trip to the dentist. But talk to Meridian customers, you're gonna hear a whole different story. Their business lenders come at things from your point of view, and they bring a ton of useful guidance and advice, but mostly they're a genuinely fun group. I speak from personal experience, the word is getting out. If you'd like to take the stress out of your business banking, Meridian is the go-to
2: bank. Go to meridianbanker.com.
3: Yeah, so the pregame starts at 2 tomorrow, Mike. Yeah. But I'll be down there because I got uh, 10 to 1 with mm-hmm. Jody with Mack. Jody. yes. And then uh, countdown to kickoff, 1 to 2. You got a long day tomorrow. And then 2 to 4, the pregame. I, listen, I have no problem with being on the air for six hours and working with all those brilliant people. I keep looking at the weather. It's, uh, it's You're going to be cold. I'm going to be cold. I'm going to be outside in that for six hours, and it's going to be like... When I get there, it looks like it's going to be about twenty-eight. Where are your long johns? And then it's going to. Yeah, you know, I, I do have a pair somewhere. I haven't mm-hmm. had to pull those out of the <laughs> closet all year. And then uh, it's going to be uh, high. I think like thirty-five. So everybody dress a little warmer tomorrow than we've been. But yeah, by the end of six hours, I'm not going to be able to use my. Remember hand. when it was oh, sixty okay. last week? Yes, I do. I didn't like I, that much oh, either. Oh, so I, I'm going to tell you this. We're doing a pregame tomorrow. We got the whole cast of everybody in a new edition mm. because Hugh Douglas, who is joining ah. the station, is now joining the pregame. Mm-hmm. I did pregames with Hugh back when Hugh was here last time around. I love Hugh. Mm-hmm. I like Hugh as a guy. I like Hugh on the air. There is nobody who is a bigger whiner <laughs> about the weather than Hugh. Hugh, who grew up in Ohio. Yeah. right. He's not from Florida. Hugh grew up in Ohio. It gets cold in Ohio. Mm-hmm. I've, I, I know this. Cannot take the – played for the Eagles and the Jets. Played in cold weather. Hates doing these pregames in cold weather. Wow. So. Wow.
4: I'm still feeling it from Chicago, from that trip to the, for the Eagles game last month. Oh, yeah. That was as cold as I've been in a long time.
3: All right couple things. want to pay tribute to our pal, Jim Salisbury, um, who, like Ray Dinger, uh, like—well, uh, I shouldn't say like Ray Dinger's retiring. I don't know if Jim is retiring, but he's he is leaving NBC Sports Philadelphia. Well, like Ray Dinger, like Seth uh, and <laughs> like, we, a right, you know, like a lot of people. Right, like a lot of people. We will see what his future holds, but I know uh, you agree with me. Jim is a pro's pro and has been— a fixture, and just a great uh, media person in this town.
4: So when Jim announced this on social media the other day, I got immediately got a text message from a friend of mine, a guy I've known since high school, who said, this really bums me out. I'm not going to know what to believe about the Phillies now. Mm. And that tells you everything you need to know about Jim and how he did the job. He might have been, when it came to the four major pro teams in this city, he might have been the most trusted reporter yeah, on any of them. Yep, uh, He was the dean of Philly's writers. He had covered the Yankees for the New York Post. Uh, he'd worked at the Bucks County Courier Times before I got there years ago. Uh, nobody knew the Phillies better. Nobody was more respected by the people in that organization, despite his little exchange with Nick Castellanos last season. Uh, there wasn't anybody, if you knew anything, who uh, about the situation who thought that reflected poorly on Jim. Uh, he's the best. And he's going to be missed. And if there's a way for him to stay close to the sports scene and the baseball scene in this city, uh, I hope he does it. Because yeah, I, it would be a real loss to not have I him I know there.
3: family considerations played into it. And the travel, if you're a baseball writer, the travel is just, oh, it's just horrible. In, yeah. And uh, love Jim. Wish him all the best. Uh, by the way, this hour, sponsored by Meridian Bank, regional presence, community touch, Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. All right, Mike Sealski. Glenn Mack. I am not at this moment, going to predict the score of tomorrow's game because I am on tomorrow with Jody, so I'm going to do it there. But assume I had a folded piece of paper. Okay. I need to hear your score for tomorrow and how this game plays out.
4: All right. So here's how I think this is going to play out, and I made a glancing reference to this in our previous segment. I think the Giants are going to score first. Oh. And I think there's going to be a not
3: going to be a good time. Pap-
4: the palpable sense of anxiety in Lincoln Financial Field tomorrow. However, I think the Giants are going to sit their starters. Eventually, uh, you won't see Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and their other key players. I think that the Eagles' offense will get back into something resembling a groove with Jalen Hurts, and I think in the end they'll pull away and win twenty-eight to ten. I think no. there'll be some nervousness at the beginning, and then that will fade.
3: So 28 to 10, Eagles. I can live with 28 to 10, but it sounds like between uh, 4.30 and 5.15 is going to be a lot of agita. Agita, yes. That that would be the word. All right. I can live with that. All right. Let's take a couple minutes uh, because we always like to work in all of the teams. Uh, I don't know if it's good news or not, but the Flyers are winning a lot of games. It's not good news. No, I was you know I was watching the Bedard kid. At yeah. least highlights from him. He's the man. Oh my gosh, he is that generational. They say he's the best prospect since Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. They are taking themselves out of any run for him. Yeah, uh, shouldn't be doing that. Look, Glenn, we've talked about this. Um, I am
4: puzzled by the people who still are worried about this team on a night-to-night basis. This team isn't very good. It should be worse than it is. And why are they
3: winning games now?
4: I mean, not why. How? What's what's happened? Goaltending, coaching, uh, and they're getting some decent play from some some guys. Travis Konechny's been been pretty good. Yeah, he has been good. Um, this kid, Noah Cates, has emerged as a keeper, it mm-hmm. looks like. Um, Tortorellis certainly seems to like him. Uh, but this is all really, Glenn, I mean this. This is counterproductive. They need high-end talent, and the way they're going to get it is by drafting it, and they are harming their chances of drafting it by playing this well.
3: I know. I know how that sounds. Well, I'm anti-tank, but I'm anti-deliberate tank.
4: Yeah. Yeah. But it's they're better than people thought they would be, and that's hey, not way,
3: helpful. One more thing on the Flyers. Who's their all-star game representative? That would one? be that Kevin Hayes. Well, you just mentioned Konechny, who's- Having a really good year, yeah. A lot of more than a point per game. What am I missing? Hayes was in the coach's doghouse. Well, I that's am I missing something?
4: I think I think whoever picked the NHL All Star team picked Kevin Hayes <laughs> just to annoy and infuriate John Tortorella. That's what I think this comes down to. Maybe
3: um, Sixers lose last night to the Bulls at home by fourteen. Yeah. Uh, how's that perimeter defense going there? Well, I'm not saying that it's.
4: Bad, but I think you and I could hang around the three-point arc and get a couple open looks against the Sixers Zachary right now.
3: Michael 11 for 13 for three points. And McCollum hit 11 three-pointers against them, whatever, a week ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago.
4: Yeah, they're not good defensively. They're, they're much worse defensively than I think most people thought they would be. Um, but the fact is that Tyrese Maxey, and for all the, the love that he gets, and people love him, and it's good that they love him. He's a great kid and a terrific player. But Tyrese Maxey and James Harden are not good perimeter defenders. They just aren't. And you're seeing how that uh, is manifesting itself. In Zach Levine, 11 of 13 from 3.
3: I feel like the Sixers story is going to be exactly what it was last year and the year before.
4: It it doesn't look like it's going to be any different. They, they just seem to be kind of running in place. Right.
3: For all the process and the tanking, whatever, it's going to be they're going to win a round of the playoffs and get knocked out. Yeah. Which is better than getting knocked out of the first round of the playoffs before the process, but not really so much better. Yeah. Look, the
4: difference, I think, is there was hope. There was hope that things would be better. And you just, if you want to retrace the last 10 years and we're coming up on 10 years since Sam Hankey was hired. Uh, go back and think about all the missteps and all the crazy stories, whether you're talking about Twitter burner accounts or back-to-back number one overall picks who not only couldn't shoot but like lost the mental ability to shoot. Uh, this team has just kind of it's it's had stuff inflicted on itself, and it's brought some stuff on itself over the last 10 years, and I fear you're right. That- By the way,
3: Speaking of Jim Salisbury, I just got to note that he is going to receive the Stan Hockman Award. Yes, he is. But that's, you know what? The Stan Hockman Award is a nice award to win. It is. Stan was the best. At the upcoming Philadelphia Sportswriters Dinner, Monday, January 23rd at the Cherry Hill Doubletree Hotel. For information, go to phillysportswriters.com. That's it, good. good. It is.
4: It's a great thing. And uh, yeah, if you can get out there on the 23rd uh, for no other reason than to celebrate Jim, you should.
3: All right. One other thing I want to say, this is uh, there is no college football today. They play the championship on Monday. I can't say I'm that invested in that. If you've got a pick or a thought on that, let me know. Yeah. My thought is I want to see
4: TCU win because TCU is not a blue blood. Yeah.
3: Okay. That's it. I think we all root for them. I think that makes sense. Uh, But there's NFL football today. There is. Today and tonight. uh, The Jaguars at the Titans. Jaguars. Six-and-a-half-point favorites, baby. The ma- I- the magic of Dougie P. Well, and it is amazing how the fortunes of these teams have changed yep. this year and from last year. The Titans were number one seed in the AFC last year, got knocked out early. The Jags have really found themselves on a nice roll. You mentioned Dougie P, which is great. The Titans have lost players all over the place, so they're including yeah. their quarterback. It's Trevor Lawrence versus Josh Dobbs today. Who you got? I got Trevor Lawrence uh, and then some. I mean, that kid has
4: been, you can make an argument, he's been the best quarterback in football for the last month and a half. Uh, And they're playing great. And I'll say this, Glenn, you know, when the Eagles played the Titans, I remember you and I were kind of apprehensive. We thought, oh, this thought is going yeah. to be the big Derek test. Henry, baby. And the Eagles destroyed them that day, and that win looks less and less impressive
3: <laughs> with every passing week because the Titans have just been beaten up and not good. Right. Well, you don't know. I mean, listen, the Eagles crushed the Jaguars earlier this year. I actually didn't crush them, but beat the Jaguars earlier this year. And nobody thought that was a good win, and now the Jaguars might be good. Yeah,
4: That was Lawrence's
3: worst game of the season. Five turnovers in one game. I remember. Right. Uh, Robert, in Germantown, let's squeeze you in before the break. What's on your mind quickly?
9: Happy New Year. You
12: too.
3: Uh,
9: NHL, if the Flyers had to drive today, they're, I think, like six or seven. Is there any way they could trade up to get Bedard at number
3: one? No way.
4: Is that even no, possible? No, no. <laughs> no. Robert, I, I like the way you're thinking. The problem is that they don't have enough to give up to get that number one. Nobody does. Pay. Nobody, Nobody
3: does. Nobody be, I mean, think about that. you got the generational player, right? Uh, we've seen it. You see it in basketball. You see it in hockey mm-hmm. more than any other sports, right? Yep. This guy's the next Jordan. This is the next Olajuwon. Well, I guess they came out at the same time, but whatever. Yeah. Um, in hockey. And I remember when Lindros came out, I was writing these stories for mm-hmm. The Enquirer that Eric Lindros is the next one. He's yes. The, he was, he was going to be the next Gordie Howe, Mark Messier. Yep. That did not work out. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, but. You get again. They say he's this kid is the best prospect since Sidney Crosby. You see these kids when they're coming out from Bobby Orr to Gretzky to Lemieux. They're generational players. No franchise. Whoever gets him isn't going to trade. No. The only reason Lindros was available to be traded,
4: you know, to be acquired by the Flyers was that he made it clear he wasn't going to play for the Quebec Nordiques. I spent a whole year. Yeah. Uh, th- that's the only reason. It was possible for the Flyers to acquire a guy who would been
3: the number 1 overall pick. It's not happening with Bedard. No. 215-592-9494. We can squeeze you in before the top of the hour. Go Birds Radio. We've we got Elliot and uh, and James. Yeah, we- I think yeah. The,
11: uh, the full roster is and James. There you go.
3: The tag team is back together up there. All right. Well, we're going to have them at the top of the hour, but we will get you in. And when we come back, we find out from our producer, Kyle Quinn, what we forgot to talk about today. Uh, with Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn
2: Mack now on 94 WIP. Innovative Business Banking for Entrepreneurial Success. We got breaking
11: news in there, Kyle? Yeah, we do have breaking news. So uh, our, our, our guy, uh, Jim Salisbury, he's not done quite yet because he just tweeted, <laughs> Hearing Phillies are working on a trade for reliever Gregory Soto would be a nice addition to the bullpen if completed. So Soto is a,
3: uh, is a left-handed closer for Detroit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the good news is he had 30 saves and made the All-Star game last year. The bad news is... And I know one lost record is is exaggerated, but he was 2-11, which suggests if you lose 11 games as a closer, what does that mean? Yeah, it ain't, ain't great. All right. And here's the other thing. 60 innings, 60 strikeouts, which these days is kind of average. Right. 34 walks. 34 walks. The year before that, yeah. 40 walks and in 63 innings. It's going to be a lot of sitting around like, ball two, <laughs> ball three. <laughs>
4: Glenn wants efficiency out of his clothes. Well,
3: uh, you know, again, not to not to go all Mr. Stat on you, but uh, his whip last year, walks in mm-hmm. his per inning, it was, was 1.38. Yeah. That's not good. No.
4: And, but I do like this. I do like what Dave Dombrowski is doing, which is hoarding relievers, yeah. uh, which they need to do, any team needs to do, because you never know how a bullpen is going to shake out. But you we know? do
3: that every year. We, they, I'm not. They. Who's not the mate. we? They, yeah, I don't do we. Okay, they do that every year. They brought in Kimbrel, mm-hmm. which will be f- kind of fun to watch when he goes into the vulture thing. Yeah,
4: <laughs> he looks like Daniel Larusso
3: in the championship. Right. Battle. They brought in uh, what's his name, Strom. Yeah, a well, lot they're going for lefties. Um, Look, guys get hurt, but every guys every year we go, every yeah. year it's like the new parade of bullpen guys. It's not to say they won't work out, but
4: but they, you know why? Because there's no formula to it. The bullpen is so unpredictable. You can try young guys. You can try veteran guys. And so if maybe Connor Brogdon develops, maybe Sosa, if they get him, uh, figures out how to throw strikes. Maybe Connor Brogdon takes a step backward. You just never know. It's not like counting on a starting rotation or a lineup or something like that. Uh, It just changes year to year. Yeah. Um,
3: okay. So we'll see. Good I, job by Jim, though. He's going out, uh... I love that. You He's, know, blaze yeah. of glory, man. Always. All right, let's uh, work on our pal, oh, Mitchie, Mitch. uh, before we leave here. Hello, Mitchell.
7: Gentlemen, happy new year, happy new year, healthy new year.
3: You too. You too, man.
7: Um, I'm at a, I'm my worry level, I'm at a seven right
3: now. It's just like... Wow. <laughs> M- I, Mitch, I, by the way, I've been talking to Mitch for a lot of years. He's prone to panic. Of course. <laughs> Um, That makes him, you know what that makes
4: him? (laughs) consummately Philadelphian. Yeah. 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 Makes him a Philly sports fan.
7: It's just, you know, I know Hurts hasn't played for a couple weeks and all that stuff. It's just, I miss him dearly and he'll be back tomorrow. But just, I mean, you know, that could deflate the team a little bit, plus other injuries. And uh no I, don't I, worry,
3: I'll tell you what. I, and I'll agree with you in this sense. I am yeah. concerned about the Avante Maddox injury and how they've not figured out the secondary yet. Yeah. And missing Lane Johnson last week was disastrous. So yeah, that's they the gotta thing. they oh. gotta work out those two things.
7: End of season injuries. Question, guys, I'm sure you both of you have seen it. I I am hooked on uh, the offer, Glenn. I just was at a friend's house, saw a couple episodes. I must get Paramount Plus you've seen it i have sure
3: i have uh very good short of great didn't make my top 10 shows of the year but certainly worthy mike have you seen it i have not seen it mitch and i would love to see it Uh, yeah i was
7: hooked i was at a friend's house new year's eve was like okay i saw two episodes this night they get back to the party and uh but i gotta get paramount plus just for that i was i was hooked totally and uh
3: yeah, it's worth seeing. It is. You and hi, Mitch. Gotta we got to run, buddy.
4: Thanks, Be well. The one thing I've got to do that you're a master at is I got to start juggling streaming services. I don't, I don't well, do it. I'm not a master
3: at it. All ah, I do is I just to keep I'm, adding them. Compared no. to me, you're a master. Listen, we, my wife and I did like beginning of the year, let's look at all of our finances mm-hmm. and we looked at our cable bill <laughs> and blanched. yeah. And there are going to be changes in the Macnow household to how we get television. I'm, that I'm that I you, can promise you.
4: All this talk about cutting the cord, everybody's going to go back to the grid in a couple of years
3: because it'll be cheaper. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. All I know is in the- Mark intram- my words. In the interim, I got to find something that's going to work for me. All right, what do you got going for the rest of the day? I have a
4: gigantic family get-together nice.
3: uh, today. At my sister's house, a my- a lot of good family stuff. Love
4: love family good stuff. Good for you. And yeah, this is my mom's side of the family. My mom and dad are each the oldest of four. And so this is her side of the family, aunts, uncles, cousins. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Gigantic That's pizza beautiful. party. Yeah, like 40 of us there. Good for you. Yeah, it'll be great. How about you?
3: I got nothing. I got. I, I got. <laughs> You're prepping for tomorrow. You're getting the Long Johns out of the closet. I got six hours of radio tomorrow, and so I'm going to like spend the day drawing up outlines for those, and then I'll be exhausted, and we'll order in Chinese food and uh, and watch. Uh, oh, I am watching a good show that we'll talk about next week. Yes. So we'll talk about that. But
11: we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.